0: Oh. Shoddy, no fire. The what I'm we fire, trouble, I'm trying, trying to escape the futile, futile. It's time to That's why we got more than two sides. the two And though the road is rocky, I'm willing to try. The next mile the break sight for the blind man. It's ah, oh. to the left side. Survive in the
1: sun,
2: the the waters and like a All I see is To time for an awakening and with all that getting an understanding, again, welcome to the program this evening with your hosts, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. Again, that's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com which is the home page, and catch the live stream at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there also. You can go to ourradionetwork.com. Again, that's ourradionetwork.com. They broadcast out of the black belt and catch the live stream there. Or you can download TuneIn to any of your handheld devices. TuneIn is a free app. And in that TuneIn search engine, just type in time for an awakening. There you'll see the icon, and you can stream the program live, even into your car if you have the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, it's time for an awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And Do me a favor before you leave that page. Just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program with the fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening media is there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the different programs on Time for an Awakening, interesting articles that you can read, download it later times, and share with your friends. Or check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace and our partnership with the bb 2 may Always interesting things being put in the marketplace, African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by both professors on the continent and in the diaspora. So again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. Tonight we're going to spend a little time with a special guest this evening, uh, author and now activist, brother alan perry his book a message to the incarcerated black man interesting brother interesting story and he'll talk a little bit about his book he's supposed to be be uh, be joining us sometime in the uh seven o'clock hour to talk a little bit about the book and after we spend some time with our guests we probably uh spend a little time in open form we ha- did have a cancellation of one of our scheduled guests but uh, we'll re- reschedule him for sometime, probably in the middle of uh, April next month. But we'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors.
3: Mr. Moderator,
4: our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies.
6: 58852444 that number is 2158852444 2158852444 all insurance incorporated
2: with your host, Brother Elliot, Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m., for podcasting or live program scheduling. Hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back it's Time for an Awakening. It's 7-14 uh, here in the city of Philadelphia on this uh, lockdown Sunday. Uh, I guess they that's what they're terming in a lot of cities around the country. And before we get started with our program this evening... I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Art Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard.
3: Yes, sir. Brother Elliot. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine considering, you know, um, the the condition that we're under. But um, I'm looking forward to, you know, speaking with Brother Perry, you know, just exploring his new book, um, and what it has to offer us as we hopefully are sitting here contemplating what our, um, future, um, our future for our children will look like, um, since we have this space to do that in the sense of not having to rush out. Um, and we're able to look at and, um, project and say what we're going to do once we walk out these doors,
2: you know, um, we always talk in this program, Richard, about our people being active and getting involved, doing something to help the situation that we face and that we find ourselves in, not only for us, but for our children, mainly for our children. And uh, this brother is no exception. Uh, he's an author, and I consider him an activist because whatever situation he found himself in, when he got out of it, uh, he got active. He put some thi- uh, put pen to paper wrote a message to other brothers that are caught up and we want to talk with him a little bit about uh his book tonight spend a little time with him but uh, maybe a little later on we'll translate uh trans uh transition into open form. but tonight let's talk a little bit about the book a message to the incarcerated black man uh, brother alan perry is with us brother perry how are you sir
10: hello how you doing brother ellie i'm doing good today how, how how you doing today brother richard
3: no i'm doing fine sir brother perry um uh,
2: brother Maurice scarver up there black men screaming in new york told me a little bit about you i uh i saw the book i didn't have a chance to get the book uh but i listened to a little bit about what you talked with him about and um i think the message is relevant uh Tell us a little bit about yourself before we kind of get into the meat of not only the book, but the message that you want to send to brothers that are in a similar situation. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
10: Okay. I'm, uh, I'm currently, I'm, uh, born and raised in St. Petersburg, Florida, down here in the South. Pretty rough. You know what I'm saying? Um, bought up on the South side of St. Pete, you know, um, pretty much the same story for most black men in America, dropped out of school ended up in prison you know so i was i was i went through the whole prison system uh did a total of 12 years incarcerated but i uh also did like total 20 21 years within the full system you know with the probation and the parole and everything and i just always did a lot of studying you know self help self uh um, gaining knowledge on us as a race and as a whole and i just really looking out i could that how bad the community is hurting with so many black men missing, so many black men incarcerated, and so many black men who was similar to myself are caught up in the um. Sort of say we got the wrong attitudes. We looking at things uh, all the way backwards. So we kind of got it twisted, and we keep allowing ourselves to end up right back incarcerated, where we can't get anything done. We can't be productive. We can't even uh like we have no shot. We keep cutting ourselves. We keep shooting ourselves in the foot. And that's really what made me sit down and write
2: the book brother perry um I noticed something that you just said uh, that uh you dropped out and then you ended up uh um in prison yes, sir. But, but you mentioned that you started studying so yes. d- did you start doing that once you was in jail? did things start uh clicking for you did you uh did they have programs where you could uh, kind of re-educate yourself or you just did this on your own
10: um well when I first went in it was in the early 90s and during that time we had a lot of programs in the in the prisons here so I kind of like took advantage of them I jumped right back in school where I was in prison and got my GED but it was like as I transitioned through religion that's what opened me up I was I was I was just I was open I was very religious so I was opening up to different religions and 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 Different meanings of different cultures, and then that started opening my eyes to the whole structure of the race as a, as a whole. And then I just started becoming uh, self knowledge became almost a thirst. Like I just I got so thirsty for for what 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 uh, I wanted to really know like where we come from, not necessarily just where we came from, but what our mission is, and what's our purpose, and what's like um our whole genetic background as a people so to say and i just kept i mean i just got into it once i got into the studies just i just never stopped i never stopped studying it's just when you're studying and but when you're still a part of the streets or a part of that culture that negative thing you're not actually putting those teachings that you're learning to use so i was just throwing all that stuff in the vault throwing it in the vault and it was just waiting to come out you know storing it in the vault and it was just waiting to come out and then i finally got to I got disgusted i mean i just like man what, what what what's wrong with me as a black man to have all this knowledge to know all this stuff and not use it you know and then but but it's hard to break away from this american culture i mean it's real hard so i just i just you know i just felt the need to just jump off that cliff and just wherever i land i land
2: uh, the book uh the message to the incarcerated black man tell us a little bit about uh give us a little the synopsis of the book itself and and, and uh, the point that you're trying to drive home to some of our brothers that are caught up. Yes, sir, yes, sir. The book, Get Up,
10: the book is titled Get Up, Get Out, and Get
2: Something. It's subtitled,
10: A Message to the Incarcerated Black Man. And I wrote it in chapters. I wrote it in chapter one, Get Up. Chapter two, Get Out. Chapter three, Get Something. And this is where I see our problem lies as black people, why our race is suffering so hard because I feel like it's a lot of intelligent black men in prison and a lot of strong black men in prison where it's a lot of stuff that go on out here in society that wouldn't be perpetuated against us if a lot of those people weren't incarcerated. They wouldn't go for that. But, I mean, that's a whole nother story in itself. But the getting up part was we have to wake up. I was talking to the incarcerated black man. Let's wake up consciously and look at where we are. We in prison. We incarcerated. We treat it like animals. we told what to do each and every moment of the day, and we think that there's nothing wrong with this. We have no problem with this. That was the first part. We have to get up and really not just – we have to wake up consciously, and we have to get up, meaning not just wake up, but do something with what we're learning. And then it's it just when you wake up, you put when you're getting up, you, you're putting yourself in a position to, uh, to uh, like I say, acknowledge your situation and understand that this is not the place for us to be. And then the getting out is don't let nothing hinder you. Cause when you're in there trying to get out something like you got people in there, well, I'm not going to say right now because of the virus, but before this whole Corona scare, you got people in there who probably had release dates to get out next week that those release dates have been pushed back for a few months because of an incident that happened to them while they're in there. Something that they chose not to overlook or uh, uh, something as simple as somebody bumping into you. You see what I'm saying? We got to. Get out, like, don't let nothing at all keep us in that situation. And if you're, and if you're, if you're, if you're not incarcerated, but you're reading a book, your getting out is to get out of that comfort zone, get out of that, that, that trap you're sitting in, or get off of that street corner, or get out from hanging in front of that store. You have to get out by any means necessary. And now we have to get something. And, and getting something is something tangible, not just a job, but we have to get jobs, especially if we have nothing. So my idea of getting something is for us to learn how to become businessmen, learn how to become owners, learn how to get stuff that we can actually pass down to our kids or be able to at least give them jobs. Now, something that can, like, something that I feel can detour them from becoming us, if we can provide something tangible for them, they don't have to go out and beg other people for jobs. They don't have to go out and bust people in the head. They don't have to go out and and, and, and get in the gangs and, and sell drugs because their fathers are providing jobs and opportunity for them. Their fathers are setting them up to become the next business leaders of the world. But if we're not doing it ourselves, we can't provide and we can't show them how to do it. So that's what that's that's what my get something means. I mean get something. We have to get something in hold and we have to get something that's of value, something that we can pass down, something that's economic because we do live in a capitalistic world. So we need those things and and I just really feel like as an inmate, our our psychic has been beat up so bad and our psychic has been twisted so bad. When we find ourselves with nothing, we use our attitude and we use our anger to, to justify not having anything. Like 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 we walk around with our chest poked out because we can beat five or ten people up, but we got kids that we can't even uh, 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 help not to go down the same route we went down. We can't, we can't set them up to prevent them from going down the same route. We can't even protect them when somebody comes into our community and just kill them on their own or uh, bust them in the head or do whatever to them because we are not structured as black men in our community. We're not together as black men in our community. It's too much us at each other so when we get something when we become businessmen we got something tangible we're not willing to lose that we're not going to be doing stupid stuff to lose that and that's how I feel like we have to do it as black men especially that's why I wanted to reach out to the incarcerated black men because that's where so many intelligent black men are believe it or not we, we, we flood the prison system and I think they know that and I really think that that's part of the school to prison pipeline is because of when you got this when you can play into the slack of a man and, and make him think being a man is, is being a badass versus being a man and being able to structure and, and grab something economically and, and, and teach your family how to grow and teach your community and protect your community keep your community clean like we don't have it our type been so battered and that's that's really why I wrote that book and it's a lot of other information in the book but the overall picture of the book is for black men to get up get out and to get something.
3: I, I have to say this, Ellie, you know, uh, and Brother Perry, um, when as listening, you outline the um, chapters in the book and, and the message that you want us to get from the book. I don't, um, and I, and I want to see if you agree with this. I don't uh, see no distinction between those who are incarcerated, and as far as black men, and those of us who are not incarcerated as as mm-hmm. it relates to the theme of your book. Because exactly. if if it if it was different, it seemed like um um our young black men wouldn't be going into prison. So I think that your book is not just for the incarcerated who are in the cells, but as we are dealing with this corona, all of us are in the cells right now. But the incarcerated yeah. of us black men who are not doing the things that you mentioned of getting up, getting out and getting something um, and how you outline it. I just, would you agree with that? Yes,
10: sir. That's, that's exactly, you're right on line, my brother. Like that's it. Like we have brothers out here in the streets doing nothing, but they're trapped into a negative mind frame and they're trapped into a negative culture. So they just, they not, they, they definitely need to get up, get out and get something and the kids. And I, I, I even think about our black girls like right now, i'm looking at the black girls do the same thing the black kids the black boys did when i was a kid like now all of the attention is on them so now they're starting to fill up the prison systems and the jail cells. Mm. and it, it is crazy it's crazy and it's like that book the book i also feel like our young women need to read that book and it can help them as well and not just um not just for the ones who are, are out getting in trouble or who could possibly be getting in trouble, but it can just also help them to try to understand us as black men and not as what the, uh, America has told them is a man. Because, you know, it's just like we can't live up to what the standards that have been set by uh, America what is a man. So we have to. We need our women to understand that and to be able to understand that by reading this book. It kind of give you a look. Into the soul of the black man
2: You know what Let me, uh, I just want to read a couple of these figures Here to kind of bolster what you uh, Stated, uh, Brother Perry About uh, Intelligent brothers uh, incarcerated And this is from uh, (laughs) Sentencingproject.org It says African Americans are incarcerated In state prisons at the rate of uh, 5.1 Times the uh, Imprisonment of whites In states of Ohio, Minnesota, New Jersey, Vermont, and Wisconsin, the disparity is more than 10 to 1. In 12 states, more than half of the prison population is black. Alabama, Delaware, Georgia, Illinois, um, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia and Maryland, whose prison population is 72% african-american tops in the nation you you see all of these states that have a overwhelming majority of our brothers in prison and it's almost like a revolving door uh talk about the mindset uh uh, brother perry of some of the men that that keep doing this i'm not talking about some of the men that come out of that sunken place as yourself Mm -hmm. as you have done but some of the men mm-hmm. that keep repeating the same behaviors and then end up there—have they given up? What is their mindset? What are, what are they thinking? Tell our listening audience.
11: Um,
10: I speak from experience because I've been to prison four times. I've been in a county jail maybe twelve, maybe more times. And the, and the reason for that is just like I said, we got—and I take i take it means I'm
8: gonna do, do whatever, whatever
10: I want to do. And, and, can't nobody stop me from doing it or, or I'm going to do it this way. I don't care if, it, if I land up in jail or I'm going to carry this attitude. I'm not following none of that stuff. And it's like, but I just don't understand how the psychic has been reversed to where we feel it's, it's manly. It's more manly to go stand in front of a street corner or stand on street corner, a stand in front of a store and hustle than it is to get up and go punch a job, uh, punch a clock, or create a business that's legitimate. I feel like where has that, like, I don't know where that transpired along the lines of our training that we received here in this country, but somewhere along the lines, that it, uh, we adapted that. And that's what I mean. We'll beat our chest and poke our chest out and we'll be like, oh, you gonna, oh, oh, i show you. But we're not showing them anything because what we end up at is inside of their prison or their jail. It's like, so it's like, they're getting the last, last, but we think we are now. You sitting in a place doing three to five years over a, a situation where you may have got into an argument with some with some police officers, something that you could have totally avoided and just you know, uh, 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 whatever they had to say, you could have let them say it and gone on about your business, but you choose to say, "No, I'm a man. Y'all can't talk to me like that, or y'all." But that's all part of the the the, the provoking to keep the jail cells full. So. I mean, it's it's a complicated thing because I've seen people who in Florida, when you go to prison the first time, you get a number. Every time after that you come, you get a letter on top of that number. I've seen people with G's and H letters. I've seen people with E's and F's. Like, I don't know what the what what's in our mind that just make us feel like coming here is not a problem. Like, I don't care how many times you lock me up, you can't stop me from doing what I'm do. I don't know like where we got that twisted. That's why that was part of writing the book as well. Like we have to understand, we gotta change the way we think. But with me being on probation, I was actually on parole. I didn't want to follow the guidelines of parole. But I didn't understand that by not following it, it's gonna suspend all my good time that I earned in prison, meaning that I have to go back to prison and start start doing all that good time that I earned, thinking that okay, I done served my, my, my time, I'm all free. It, it don't work like that. They keep us some kind of way. They keep a chain on them. And until we get off of that supervision, we we belong to the system. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's kind of complicated to explain that in and out. But one of the main reasons behind that in and out, the, the main car, that, the main vehicle that drives it is poverty. We don't have anything. So our constant hustle is in life is trying to get something. But we're trying to get it for the wrong reason. We're trying to get it to show off to the next person, or to, to flaunt it—that's not what we're supposed to be getting it for, and we don't understand that. That's why we're so quick to lose it because we buy cars and jewelry and everything that attracts the police to come and take it away from us, and then we end up in jail. Now we paying—we paying for lawyers. Are we paying for bonds? Are we buying commissary? We everywhere it go, we trapped inside the cycle of the system, and for some reason, we think that. Y'all ain't going to break me. I don't care if you give me a Z letter. I'm going to keep doing what I'm and I don't know. It's like we have to break out of that. Like, we have to – it's just like a gang member knowing that they're going to die, but they still join the gang anyway. Like, what's in your mind? You know that the, the part of joining the gang is it's a high possibility that you're going to get killed, but you join it anyway. It's something in our minds that's not clicking right, and I don't know. It's, it's it's hard to explain but i know when you in and out of that door like that door just keep opening and closing one go out one come in one go out one come in sometimes you the one going out and the next day you coming right back in and it, and that's just that's how that system is set up and we, we 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 just i mean we just fall in line like sheep and i mean it's 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 a complicated thing to, to break down just and to say in so many words but the main thing is bravado we think bravado is being a man
3: your brother perk oh, go ahead, Richard. No, it was a, the thought came to me as you were uh, mentioning that. That uh, um, read a piece where um, Dr. Amos Wilson said um, black males have perfected the art of being the best, of being the worst. But you know, yeah. I, I I still uh, want us to um, broaden this, you know, because what you describe is um, as far as, as, especially as it relates to black men, I think that those of us who are out i mean whether we're um, black corporate leaders um black community leaders black workers as black men we're we're we do the same thing we're in search of this manhood in the same way and so my question to you is, is from your experience do you see that it's a initially that there is a lot of young black men that go to prison as you say start off with county and then just mm-hmm move from numbers so that we understand that it isn't older black men that are making, these are younger black men, which puts us who are outside with some responsibility because if we didn't create a condition, then that leaves it open for young men to, um, take paths that may not be to their best interest. So my question is, is, is is it uh, the beginning road? Is it young men that are, um, going to making these here kind of t- choices and are they becoming perfected in the art of being the best at being, at being the worst? Uh,
10: I think, I think that's that hitting the nail on the head. I think we, 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 we've we adapted that. We've adapted that code of being the best at being the worst. And then just to uh, uh, like you were saying, as far as the man go, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's strenuous because there's a lot of young people in there. So it's like every camp I've been to, except when I was going to juvenile camps, because we all were juvenile. I mean, um, young adults when I was 18. We all were, you know, nobody was there over maybe 26. But once I started going to the adult prisons, it was totally different thing. So it's men, young men in there, old men in there, middle-aged men in there. It's always young young and fresh people. Uh, I call them slaves. It's always young and fresh slaves coming in. And it's always older ones in there who got the letters, who have the G's and the H's
8: and who have the
10: F's and who have yet to conform and who have yet to broke down and understand that this is not the way to be going. Like a lot of the youngsters are not going to have all of those uh, letters, mm. so to say, because this may be their first, maybe second time in there. The only thing that's going on at the same time is a lot of those youngsters who are going in for the first or maybe the second time getting a lot of time while they're in there. So it's like by the time they do get out of there, they've already done 20, Mm. 15 years of their their life in in prison. Now they're coming home as an older guy trying to adapt, and a lot of them up right back in there. I mean, it's it's hard to say, but I think the youngsters – are like the, the fuel that keeps the uh, prisons going. Like, as long as they got the youngsters out here not understanding or not realizing what what's going on, they're going to always have uh, – they can keep building prisons. They don't have to stop building prisons because they're going to always be able to keep filling them up with black men. Some of the older ones, like me, I was over 40 before I got – I was 40, I think, when I really understood. It. It's almost 10 years ago. But I had gotten the teaching at 19. I started coming and so it's like, it took all that time to break for me. Somebody like me to break away and just, I wasn't a bad guy. I wasn't a bad person. It's just, I was doing bad things and I was caught up in bad things and bad crowds. And it's like, sometimes negative don't mean that the crowd is not doing anything bad. It just negative means the crowd is not doing anything positive, you know, and if, if if it's a group of blacks not doing anything positive to help the race, then it's like we just in the way. I I, I I hate to say it, but it's it's almost like that's how it's become, because we have to look at our full condition, and then we have to look at. In America, the man has the most responsible role, and the black man is spending too much time incarcerated. And even the ones who don't get incarcerated, they find they up against a wall because they may be a successful person but when they look to their left and their right they don't see a bunch of people that look like them
5: mm-hmm.
10: so that's that's another thing going on especially in a lot of corporate america so i mean it's just, it's a, it's it's a it's a lot it's a lot you know what i'm saying so i just don't know but i, I wouldn't i wouldn't just blame it on all the young i wouldn't just say it's just all the youngsters who doing it because I mean, it's older people, like, back and forth, too. They just still haven't got it for some reason or the other. And I will attribute drugs to it because a lot of them problem is drugs. Drugs it's the drugs. That's why they keep getting into the trouble because they're trying to fuel take their drug habits. So, I mean, that's where a lot of them are, the alcohol habit, you know. So, but I wouldn't just say it's just young. But the young, I, guess, I, I definitely would say the young keep it. The young keep it going. The young are the fuel of it, but. I mean, it's, it's on us. I think it's just on us as general as black men, all ages, especially the ones who are incarcerated.
2: We're in conversation with our author and activist Alan Perry. The book, Get Up, Get Out, and Get Something, A Message to the Incarcerated Black Man. You can give us a call if you got a question or comment for Brother Perry at 215-490-9832. Again, that's 215 490 Three, two, uh, brother Perry. Um, and you might have mentioned this, but I I want you to kind of drive it home. Is and this is a two part question, because uh-huh. the reason I'm asking this is because everybody, and I don't have to read those stats to to drive it home for the listening audience. But every black person, I don't care whether you uh are jobless or some of the richest black people in this country. Every black person, and, and this might be a sobering moment for, for our people, but every black person has somebody in their family that are either incarcerated, have been incarcerated on parole. Yeah. Now, all we got to do is look around. Other nationalities might not be doing this or they might not have be able to answer this question, but we can answer yeah. this question as black people. I don't care what strata of life that you consider yourself in whether you Oprah Winfrey or the richest black people or some of the poorest ones with no job, somebody in your family, whether it's in your direct uh, family or extended family have been either in jail or incarcerated or on parole. If that is the case, what clicked for you when you was in there to stop uh, that, that vicious cycle is something that clicked in your mind. And if you can put your finger on it, that's good. Um, and the second part of the question is, how do we, because I'm not going to put it on you, even though you you went through that experience, but how do we as a collective reach these young people with this message? What what First, what, what clicked for you to t- turn it around that okay. brought you out of that something well, place?
10: Okay. Well, what really did it for me this time is when I went back, I actually paid attention to the process. When they bring us in the way they treat us the way they strip us down the way they make us bend over spread your cheek i mean the humiliation i was like this is the part you forget because when you go off and do so many years at a regular camp you forget about the 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 uh, reception centers that you have to come through to before they send you off to a prison that's that humiliation as i went through that humiliation I reminded myself, I've been through this before and I can't believe I never paid attention to how bad, how humiliating it is for them to do us like this. And then as I sat on the bunk, just listening to the garbage, I mean, just inmate after inmate, just the garbage, it's just so much garbage. I'm like, man, I'm through with it. Like, I'm not coming back here no more. And then it really was solidified because I have a wife and kids. My son hadn't started getting in trouble, you know what I'm saying? Okay. So I had a before I got out of prison last time, I had a son in prison, and then my mom was 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 fighting cancer, and it was like all this stuff was going on. My wife was going through all this stuff, and I couldn't do absolutely nothing. And that really woke me up. Like, I'm like, I can't even. If somebody was to break in our house right now, I'm not even gonna to protect my family. Like and it really started, and it, and it and that just that just set off a big spark for me, and that and I think I wrote about that in the book as well. But and then the second part of your question is, how can we reach these youngins? That's the best the that's the million dollar question. But I think I got to answer. Go ahead. I think the people who have been there, who have lived the streets, who have who have really been feeling like the world owed them something. I like, don't nobody love them. I don't nobody care. Those out. I feel like it's our job and it's our duty to try to reach them and, and talk to them. We can't be saying, oh, I don't have time, they too wild, or uh, oh, they and my kids, I ain't worried. But like, we can't do that because we are the ones who know. I have friends, who so I talked to a lot of my friends the other day because there was some stuff going on in this city with the with the youngsters riding around in cars. They call it toe tagging. they asking each other what kind of coffin they want. They're they just running into people's stuff, hitting people like, and they were saying, that he was telling me he can't understand this because he never even rode in a stolen car. He never been in the streets. He just wanted, he got out there for money. And I was saying, you know what? It's people like you. It's a bunch of them out there. They only got into it for the money or they only know somebody who was in the street. So they can't understand what's actually going on when these kids doing this. So we've got to find a way to find out, like, it's on us who have, who knows. We can talk to these kids, we can reach out to these kids, and we can translate to them that, listen, man, I know exactly what you're going through. And we can break that time. It takes some time, it takes a little,
12: you can't do it in one
10: day. You might have to make a connection, a little relationship with them to be able to call you, you're doing good, how's your grades looking like, we have to be able to do, they call big brothers to them on our own not because somebody else telling us it's a good thing to come and join their big brother and big sister program. We don't need to join the program. We can do this stuff right here, right on our own. We just have to care enough about them because a lot of them going to reject it when they first hit because they're be like, going to you. oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand. I get that from my own nieces and nephews. But they see me and they know. They know where I've been. They know where I come from and they know that. He Uncle Dali do know what he talking about, and they call me all the time. They ask me for advice. They ask me for my guidance. They treasure it, and I, I like that, and I appreciate that. It's just even with me, I'm trying to find a way. How do I get my sons to even listen to me sometimes? You know what I'm saying? Cause we it's a culture that raises us. Even though we have parents, we actually are raised by the TV. We raised by the uh, 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 radio. You know, we raised by the music. We raised we really raised by outside of we raised outside of the house. It's just our morals and our principles are established at the house if you have caring parents or a caring parent. If you don't, everything you get will come from outside influences. You know what I'm saying? And they're molds into your character. I mean, mm-hmm. we may not know it or realize it, but it does actually happen. And I just really think that us who've been through it already, and there's so many of us who have, we we have a duty as men to reach back to these kids. And if we can't get them to understand we got to understand why they not listen because they don't have anything. We can't just—they don't want just words. We need to provide resources for them. They need to be able to know it's a place that they can go and get a meal, or they can go and get money to buy clothes, or they can go and get money to buy a uh, school books and school clothes. I mean, school. Um, materials, whatever they need, so they're not sitting in school. If the school's saying every kid need a laptop, and you're from a house, your mom can't buy you no laptop, they need to be able to go somewhere to get that access to get those laptops. They're going to go the first place they're going to turn to is a friend, who might be going to turn them to the streets, or, or turn them to some type of illegal way of trying to get that money. We have to establish a legal, you know, we have to we have to form a legal MmT uh, uh, for them. And not just in one city or one state, and that's the hardest thing. We broken as black people. We broken and divided amongst everything that's out there for us to be in a part of. You know what I'm saying? We oh I'm this. I can't do that. I'm this. I'm this. And if we all divide and we forget. But at the same time, while we all this, we black first, and we owe it to each other. You know what I'm saying? We can't overlook our blackness because somebody's saying. All of us got it hard. It ain't just you, black people. Like we know our struggle. We can't let nobody tell us our damn
5: struggle.
10: <laughs> you know, so it's got a lot of that going
3: on. And you know, you know I- Ellie, that gets into and Brother Perry. That gets into uh, uh, and I'm glad the way you uh, outlined that as far as the the action that the brothers in prison um, who are who are out could provide in our community, and and the point that you made in relationship to the support. Because it requires, that becomes a political question, right? That becomes a a controlling of the community question. Because then those who can be able to do that, communicate based off of their experience, they need support in order to be able to say, I know we can get you those laptops. I know we can get you those school supplies. And we talk all the time about how the Black political leadership class or misleadership class and, and the um, black ministry misleadership class are not providing those resources. So men like Brother Perry and the book that he and the message in his book can be able to communicate, have the time, the space to do that. Um, because other the broader community is that's not their interest. They get paid yep. to do what yep. they do. Mm-hmm.
13: Yeah, you're right. You're right
10: definitely
2: right brother brother Perry, you mentioned about <clears throat> other entities whether it's the television uh other outside influences uh the music the messages and some of the music raising our children um uh, yeah talk about the need for our men to be out here raising these boys because these boys are growing up and it's no strong male influence in a lot of their homes you can yeah, see it translated right. in their behavior you can see it translated in the the uh disrespect and i don't want to use the term disrespect the 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 animosity sometimes they show towards older blacks mm-hmm. i i think it's subconscious in in their mind and i might be wrong you help me with this that you know subconsciously you know my dad wasn't there for me so what mm-hmm. makes you, you 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 can't tell me nothing OG. you ain't got no message for me my dad wasn't there yeah. i'm a man i raised myself is, is this message yeah. going on because these men are not there what, what's the problem
10: i think yeah yeah that plays a lot because my dad wasn't there for me either and i mean you can remember the you know the blank promises and i'm coming to get you never show up you know but i can't blame the world uh, uh I couldn't blame all my problems in the world on the fact
2: that my dad wasn't there. No, 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 go back. Brother Perry, do me a favor. Go back a little bit. You said Uh when you were young, he would tell, oh, I'll be there to get you. I'll pick you up. And then he wasn't there. What started to to develop in your mind, and not only in reference to him, but black older men, period. Did anything start developing in your mind? Do you recall? Or maybe throw some light on that for me. I tell
10: you, I, it always stuck in my mind. It, like, I always dwelled on it, but I didn't let it, like, realize it was a part of the problem. I didn't think it was a part of my makeup. I felt like it didn't matter either way. But I think one thing happened when I was mentoring this, this, this young kid. He was getting into some problems, and uh, this other guy I was locked up with asked me could I reach out to the kid because he knew his mom and give him, him a little mentorship. And I, went, I would go to the kid's house and talk to him and, you know, we would talk on the phone, and then uh, one day I was at his house, and this guy came by, and the guy asked for his uncle, and then the mom was there because she would always sit in on our, you know, on our on our sessions,
5: mm-hmm. and the
10: mom was the mom was like, uh, uh, "Oh, he's not here right now, uh, but he's on the way." He told me to let you know he'll be here. Blah blah blah. So as she's talking, she introduced me to the guy, and the guy was the kid's father but he wasn't there for the kid. He was there to see the uncle. But wait a minute. Come and he and saw you,
2: him. he saw you in there trying to mentor his son.
10: His son. And he didn't even come in the door and greet. He like, there was no way for me to know that he was the kid's father. If the mother wouldn't have said, Oh, by the way, this is Alan. This where well, they call me daddy boy. This is daddy boy. He's uh, mentoring your son. And that's when I looked like, huh? And he, Oh, he shook my hand and everything. But that's, with me for a couple of weeks that's that, that played in my head and I'm like so we got men coming to the house where the kid lives and not even acknowledging the kid like that's crazy and that it just it took me back to an incident when I was 18 in, in, in the county jail and my dad came up there with his girlfriend at the time to see my step brother and I didn't know that they came up there and then I got a receipt for $5 later on and it had my dad's name on it. So I waited, I called the house, trying to figure out what, how did this happen? I ended up with $5, and he was like, oh yeah, we came up there to see Eric. I took Norma to see Eric, and while we was up there, I decided I'll leave you $5. And I'm, this my father though,
1: see what I'm saying? So okay.
10: this stuff, like, it, it, it's there, you know what I'm saying? It play a part, but I mean, I try not to say, I would say that didn't bother me, or that's not part of the, why I'm acting out, like, but I'm pretty sure it was part of the reason. Why I was the way I was. Even with the music, listening to the kind of music I grew up on, like certain songs will make you go and do certain stuff when you're young. But I can listen to those songs when I'm older. They they don't do that to me. And as older people, we we develop that sense of well, we can listen to this or I can watch that. That don't make me want to go and shoot nobody. And we forget to remember when we were young and when we didn't control our thoughts the way we do. That just a song or just an incident will make you just fly off the rocket. And you know, what I'm and that's, that's definitely what happens. I mean, it happens all the time and it happens with almost anything where we see a bunch of kids doing a bunch of the same thing. They have been heavily influenced by either music or movie or some form of entertainment or entertainer. And they have influenced this whole mass of kids to, to, whether it's something positive or negative, and usually it's something negative when they're coming from the music and the movies. Like, they don't really make a bunch of good positive movies and a bunch of good positive music that the kids transcend and want to be like. For some reason, they prefer the bad, rough, rugged, and raw music. And then just like the, the women, for some reason, why do our girls want a bad guy? Like, we got good kids who've been brought up in good homes, and the first boyfriend they get is a bad, a thuggish guy, somebody who bring them down. And I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's so crazy. She all right? Yeah. Come on here, mom. So I don't know. It's 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 a hard it's a hard thing to uh, it's crazy, brother. But well, you, listen, mean, I'm glad that you, right you better,
13: go ahead.
2: I'm glad that you mentioned uh, because you hear differing opinions in reference to some of this music that and a, and a lot of the, <clears throat> a lot of these young people are not really producing this music. They're instructed to produce this genre of music by other people yeah, that's making a lot of money now yeah
0: I i'm, I'm glad that almost, you, i'm I'll glad that you
2: associated that. the music with behavior and and i want to throw something else in there is the the drug use in combination with listening to this music because oh yeah. you just mentioned the music uh that you were young and the music would drive you to do negative things yeah okay yeah
10: and I was doing the drugs with it. So I wasn't just, I was out there doing the drugs and the alcohol and listening to the music. So if a, if a song told me, or uh, if I heard something negative in a song that I thought was cool, I would go out and perpetuate it. I mean, it was like that in, in me. And I was a kid, though. I, like, I can listen to the same stuff today, and it won't have that type of effect on me. You know, but I see I see older guys who let that music have, have that effect on them.
2: Even now even now okay all
3: right i just, I just want to reemphasize uh, because i hear you say it brother Perry, a couple of times but in the response that you're giving you are giving the correct i mean i'm calling it correct but the the solution um to the problem i mean and 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 it, and, it, and I, I say that because it if it, i want to emphasize to the listeners that because we're we're hearing you and and through your experience, and this is what you um, put in the book, um, you know, the message to the incarcerated, get up, get out, and get something. That's coming out of your experience, and that speaks, I mean, th- what you're saying speaks volumes to why our whole community, um, one of the points you made, has to come together. And when we say community, it gets kind of a little generalized, um, yeah. like, you know, because it makes it seem, it always makes it seem that that's some other people cuz I'm doing the right thing in my house. Now all of us are in the house right now. But yeah. <clears throat> when they let us out, you know, that that are have we created the condition to where we're saying we're going to be supportive so that we're or we're going to make sure the music industry is not going to promote that garbage to us. The the video industry is not going to promote that garbage. So that's that's a political and economic question just like trying to get bread and toilet paper, you know, um, we have to say that that's not happening in our environment and therefore it's not going to influence, especially if you're saying the message is it is influencing our young males and you see it being influencing our young females. We have to say as a unified community, we can't have that.
13: Exactly. Exactly.
10: I mean, I, I, I came from, the like, I did a lot of music, but it's underground music. I never, like, broke through. Like, we never broke through the door, but we did put out some music. And one thing I understand is when we chased the deal, they didn't want our music because our music was fierce and it was positive at first. So us, still from the street and still want to get on so bad, we found ourselves conforming to the music that they want us to put out. You see what I'm saying? Now we're saying the stuff that they want to hear in the music, and it's still not getting us to where we're trying to get to. So it's like, do we keep compromising ourselves as men, or do we say to hell with that, chasing a dream like that? That's not even worth it to us, or worth it to me, to even reach for that as we go. We have to redirect somebody. I heard an older guy told me on Facebook that we need to just get rid of rap altogether, get rid of hip-hop. And I told him, no, we don't need to get rid of it. We just need to change the content, change the culture of it, change what we promoting and what we rapping about. And if they won't give us a deal for rapping about something positive, then we not have to be able to say, damn, that deal. But we don't understand that because we have nothing. It's, it's almost impossible to tell a little kid who has absolutely nothing. He's 18, 19, 20 years old, and here comes somebody in front of his face trying to give him some millions, like give him some hundreds of thousands because they like this this negative-ass song that he has. I'm sorry you're like this negative song that he has, you know what I'm saying, so much that they want to put this song out. So I, it's impossible to tell him, don't take that money. But mm. the kids, like, man, don't nobody in my family have nothing. My mama don't have nothing. I don't have no daddy, my brother, my father. I need to feed them. I need to do something for my mom. And that's what a lot of them are faced with. So it's hard to tell them, don't do that kind of music or don't chase fame in that type of way or don't chase your money in that type of way. And then, of course, the country has a way of making that look pretty, making that look good, making that look beautiful to them, to us, because it, it did it to me, too, you know? And it's just like, we have to, man, it's, it's, it's you said it earlier, we have to come together as a community, and we have to. And just like you say, it's a lot of people say that, well, it, it ain't my, my kids' straight. My, my my kids don't do that kind of stuff, but your neighbor kids do that kind of stuff. And a and, and, and long time, years ago, like when I was a kid, the neighbors could beat up. It didn't matter. The neighbors would tear your butt up if they caught you out of the line doing something, so we had respect for the elders. These kids now will curse and do all. Like we cursed as kids. We had some of the foulest mouths in the world, but the elders didn't know that because they went ahead. But these kids are saying in front of the elders without no regard. And you got kids who I've seen cuss in front of the elders. Who will look at me and curse in front of me and then apologize to me? Mm. You see what I'm saying? But they won't apologize to the elders, like people, other elders. But I'm, they consider me an elder as well, but it's still it's something they see or hear or can identify with that still has a little respect. Now, it's not all of them, but it is some of them. You know what I'm saying? They still have a little respect, but for the most part, it's like you saying, like these kids have no regard for the elders, and it's just like, man, it's all, it's crazy, man. But, but we, we there's so much we can do more, and I mean, everybody gonna follow the men. If the men get it together, I mean, the rest, the, the women, the kids going not have no choice but to follow suit. And then we already got that war going on between the black man and the black woman. That's a whole another conversation, <laughs> and we-, we got to end that war. You see, we didn't start that war. We got to end that war because that's keeping us at odds with each other. That's keeping that's keeping a lot of this this stuff going. That's that's keeping a lot of the prisons open and that war with the the, the black man and the black woman.
2: We're gonna take a brief you know? We're gonna take a brief break and when we come back, we're gonna continue the conversation. You can get involved too by dialing two one five four nine zero ninety eight thirty two. Again that's two one five four nine zero nine eight three two. I guess is author and activist. Alan Perry, the book, get up, get out and get something, a message to the incarcerated black man. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Brother Perry. uh, we'll spend a little more time okay. with you after the break. Okay.
10: Yes, sir.
2: Oh, you know what? I don't have the commercial queued up. Let's, uh, give, give me about five minutes. I'll, um, cause le- let me ask you something, uh, brother Perry, since you've been out and, mm-hmm. uh, and going around trying to, uh, Help our youth. Help the youth in your area of uh, Petersburg. Have you gotten any Mm -hmm. help? Have anybody reached out to you? Have you teamed up with other brothers that have been uh, uh, through your particular experience, or have any of the uh, people in the area Uh, tried to help you with resources? Um,
10: I got a couple brothers. Yeah, I got a couple brothers uh, in a few in a few spots doing a few things to help me out. I got one in radio. He's always uh he's a uh, radio director over in Tampa, Florida. And he brought me on the air, you know, introduced the book, interviewed me, uh, hooked me up with a few different people. I also graduated, um, because I came home, I got in college and went and got my degree in uh, videography and digital media. And uh, I reached back out to the alumni of the college and with this this, um, girl who moved from here to Atlanta. And she plugged me in with like three different groups within the school. Who do other stuff within the community and they plug me in with this program called the perk program so i've been in there twice they do stuff with youngsters and they also do stuff with drug addicts okay. so i've done stuff with them i've been doing stuff with them and what's so funny two of the events i've done with them were all white people mm. yeah that was crazy it was like but it was the message that like they they they, they um they all like the message they love the message and then uh, of course i didn't just you know um give it you know the whole if i was talking to a, a black kid it would have been just a little different the message where i kind of kept the same message but just altered it a little bit so it was it went good so i am working with a few different people and i'm in a group down here called um eight kings collective and what we do every year this is like our this is our fourth year here we are we see 50 mothers every mother's year. I mean, every mother's day, we come together and see 50 mothers. And this year was our year to grow it, um, to move up to a hundred to 150, you know, so we do that. And we also try to, well, just a couple of us in the group, it's like 10 of us all together. But, um, out of the 10, I would say four are really active with the, with the community, really highly active. The rest are kind of just with the mother's day thing. So have a few things going on down this way. Um, Two brothers who I team up with on occasions to do things. It's just not, I'm just getting into the really uh, going around being guest speaker, doing the motivational speeches. You know, I'm just really getting into that more and more since I put the book out.
2: We're going to take a brief break and when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Uh, you can get involved too by dialing 215 490 9832. Again, that's 215 490 9832. Alan Perry is with us. Get up, get out, and get something, a message. To the incarcerated black man. We'll be right back.
3: To Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at time 4
6: 5-8-8-5-2-4-4-4. That number is two one five eight eight five two four four four. Two one five eight eight five two four four four. All Insurance Incorporated.
7: RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today 484 268 9837.
8: I transformed a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven figure high end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one of the tangible transformations I've created for entrepreneurs in various industries around the country. If this isn't what you think of when you think of accounting and business consulting, then get ready to take down this invaluable information. Are you an entrepreneur suffering with a stagnating company? Have headache customer staff, or vendors? Are you rebounding from a loss and need help achieving your unrealized potential? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? Hi, my name is Nataki Kanban. If you're ready to go beyond advising and coaching and get results, then call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions recommend and implement the best comprehensive sales, administrative, human resources, accounting, and operations to help you grow into your vision for yourself and your company. Again, from anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072 or pull us up on your device right now and book your free consultation at www.NewBusinessSolutions.com. And just mention you heard this special announcement on Time for an Awakening. Bobby, him, and, D, and the garbage, man. Oh,
0: that water, All man. Right. Yeah.
1: Speak to him, Lord.
0: Somewhere, a black man's eyes wells up in the dark, away from his peers, away from his queen, away from his offspring. That's right. Coming to a fork in the road and not realizing that he cannot stand still. Sometimes life isn't about right or wrong, just left or right. got to keep it moving. The stress, the pressure, the respect of your woman, the admiration of your child. Almost obsolete as the breadwinner. when the flower is provided by the enemy. If your only resource is labor, or at least that's what they'll pay for. Slavery, God. What happens when they can get it for cheaper? Enough. Have we got an amnesia as to what a man is and what a man does? Like power. Is I the possibility of death say. too great? Is the fear of physical confinement hindering oh, your oh, proper judgment? I just got locked up last week. See, death is a guarantee, yeah. <laughs> and you might just get knocked just because. That's word. Understands, Cause she just can't understand how she could get a job, but you cannot. create own job look at the places you go and the people you fraternize with. Cause they say a lot about your character and whether you are who you say you are. White supremacy has struck a deadly blow. But our vital signs persist when we know better. An excuse is just an excuse. Up, stop talking, and whether you fully comprehend or not, Hell, Lord. you're a man, Stand up, let him know, Lord. and manhood is your birthright. Right. It is your job to know what that entails, black man. Up, man. And it cannot be defined by our natural adversary, up. for his ways are not ours. Nah. Do Damn. we allow our boys to be feminized? No. Do we allow our girls to be masculinized? Hell, because sheep get on the defensive or do we muster manhood and stand firm on our principles i leave that up to you brother but as you dry your face and contemplate your next move keep in mind the devil's love and doubt. and if you don't know how to be a man they will show you how
2: welcome back to time for an awakening and we're joined in conversation with a special guest author activist Alan Perry, the book, Get Up, Get Out, and Get Something, a message to the incarcerated black man. You can join the conversation with a question or comment by dialing two one five four nine zero ninety eight thirty two. 9832. Again, that's two one five four nine zero ninety eight three two. 490 9832. Brother Perry, um, we see now during this health crisis that uh, uh, it seems like across the country that there are um, uh, I know county I don't know whether they're doing it in state prisons but I know in county prisons they're releasing uh people that they consider uh low level offenders. yeah so a lot of our men are coming back into the community. This is an excellent opportunity for men with the mindset of yourself because you're not I just want you to know you're not alone it's brother like it's brothers like you in every city that's trying to make a difference uh, with our youth but this is an opportunity for all of us. Uh, to reach out uh, and and connect some of the men with some of the young people in our neighborhoods because we got a captive audience now we can't move around uh, like we've been doing we can't be in the streets even though they uh say something about the um, you know crowds gathering it's ways you can do that now you can set it up online you can you can talk to folks on on uh, uh different uh whether skype zoom or whatever it's things that we can do now that we that we need to kind of uh reassess how we've been doing things in the past and maybe it's situations like this or circumstances like this that's going to drive our people closer together um i I just want you to comment on that because you've seen uh you see some of our people now being released uh from these facilities because of uh, what's going on presently
10: yes uh yeah down this way as well they're releasing uh I think they actually released people from state prisons as well, like the uh, people who had, like, short sentences and nonviolent crimes. Uh, some people say people who shouldn't have been in there anyway. So okay. um, they have released quite a, I think they released a few thousand down this way. Ooh, but, um, yeah, I mean, as they come home, they're kind of already conditioned to be in lockdown. So that's not going to be a problem for them, I don't think, unless it's just somebody who's just so anxious to be out and they just ready to run the streets, and they just like got to forget the lockdown, you know, because we do that in there, too, so it's no, you know, you know <clears throat> some people go along with the rules, some people don't. But um, as far as us as, as out here, we, we, as people, we can connect. I mean, we did a family uh, conference call on Zoom earlier, my auntie in North Carolina. Okay. You know, she, like they're the only ones out there. Most of us are down here in St. Petersburg, Florida. Then we have some in Georgia, you know, but – we did a, a, a conference Zoom where we Zoomed in and talked with each other, you know, for a good 30 minutes um, earlier today. So, I mean, families can do that, utilize that, uh, play games. I mean, I'm in a business class, and the, the guy who was teaching us last week said that he actually, him and his fraternity had a big party on Zoom, where they all sat and smoked their cigars and you know, drunk and communicated with each other. So we can take advantage of that and it can actually show us. I mean, I guess it can help us become more equipped with technology.
5: And,
10: and, and uh, really, I mean, when it's over, if we remember everything that we go through during this time, maybe we can really just put it to use in our everyday lives and try to um, take that time to capture some closeness. We definitely need more family values. Like the family value has been destroyed, not just in the black community. I think in the American family mostly all together unless you know the outsiders coming in mostly Asians, they're not going for that they're not breaking up their family
8: so Mm -hmm.
10: um we need to um you know take advantage of this time and just do stuff with each other i mean if you got a big family and y'all all all locked in together spend some time together you know we don't even eat dinner no more families together you know the kids grab their plates and run off one way and then the adults used to eat later you know so I mean, we can take this time, play some board games. When we grew up, Monopoly and, and Chuckers and all those things were a month, you know, dominoes. But now with these kids, if it's not that phone or that computer, they're really not too interested unless they play sports. You know, or unless they're, of course, one of the small few who love to read, love to study. And it's just, just the oddball. Consider the oddballs, you know what I'm saying? So... I don't know. I think it'd just be a good time to just uh, try to reestablish some family bonds for the older ones of us who know how it used to be. Okay. Just to, you know, just like let's entice the youngins because they don't know, you know, they don't have an idea. So maybe we can entice them to put the phones down. Oh, if we're going to use the phones, let's do some Zoom conferences and some play some online games with each other, maybe. so I said, we just can take it and make the best of it. We always took, took the worst and made the best of it as well. So we have to get credit for that. They don't give us credit for that. Now we have to condemn ourselves for doing like we talked about earlier, becoming the worst, at, I mean, becoming the best at acting the worst. But we got to also remember that our people have took nothing and turned it into something. And every time, a lot of times they got something, somebody took it from them or either shut them down or burnt them down or Because they had the gall to stand up and gain. So we got to look at that as well. We can always gain something.
2: Let's go to uh, take a couple calls. Let's go to 215. 215, are you there? (laughs)
5: 215?
2: (laughs) Let me put them back on hold. They might have stepped away. I hear a little. uh, Let's go to 646. 646? 646?
14: Greetings, brothers. (laughs) This is Brother Maurice Carver calling for you. You know, I couldn't keep my mouth out of this whole Bye.
2: time <laughs> how, you, how you doing sir hey how
10: you doing I'm, I'm doing fine greetings brother richard
2: Greetings, how, how,
14: how
13: you doing man uh, so Doing
10: I'm, fine. Doing good. I, I appreciate you man good looking out man these brothers are being I mean, put me in some good hands with some good brothers man i'm doing this intelligent yeah, let me let me just let me my mouth a little bit about about you first of all
14: i, I just want to say that the, this is a real brother y'all got on on on, on the show um and he believes in you know uh, watering my gardens. He, he gave me an opportunity down there in Tampa, Florida, to share some things about my show and stuff. He hooked me up with some of the brothers that he's doing stuff with. So what, he blessed me as I was blessing him and stuff. And that's the way we need to do things. Just in comment and stuff. I want to I want to say something else that um that your brothers was just talking about in New York City because you know I'm in Brooklyn. You know we, uh, Queens has passed us now in terms of the number of cases and stuff, but Brooklyn is still off the hook. And the city of New York is letting all of these people out. And I and I went I asked brother 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 uh, about this question and stuff, because you got a lot of people that are coming out but they can't go home because they got you know, because they they'd they be violated if they enter those those particular communities and stuff. I asked him a question about um, someone reached out to me and said, you know, um he was staying he had to go back to where his grandmother was at. She's in her eighties, she's afraid of this virus, she think he might have picked it up in prison. So he's trying to stay somewhere else. And I'm like, yo, man, you got to be careful with that because you're going to get violated. And then you're going to be doing time. Brother Dally gave me some good advice and stuff. I tried to share that back with them and stuff. They unfortunately didn't take my advice. But I'm like, you have to understand with this technology, man, they know where you are at. They don't need to see you physically and stuff. So um, yeah. you have that problem, man, where people are coming out and they can't even go certain places because, yo, you're going to be violating your parole. And it, it, I think – um. It, I think the cases about I think it's like 180 cases of prisoners are having in the New York City prison system, and I think 112 um, correction officers have it. So, you know, wow. that's another problem that we have, man. So we got brothers and sisters coming out here, and think about this. And, and Richard, I'm thinking about you every time I, I think about this. I said I said to people on, on the show I was on, I told them when you get your stimulus check, I want you to take make sure you take at least twenty five dollars of it and spend it on the black business. Before you go out and buy it, you make sure you spend it on the black business because this is going to be just like after 9-11, I'm going to say this, get off the line,
11: where the economy is
14: yeah. going to shift. A lot of these brothers and sisters found out that they ain't essential in this economy and stuff. So what you going to do? We're going to have to get some, brother, because we, but when they change this economy up, we're not going to be included. Now I'm going to shut up and get off the line. Bless all <laughs> y'all.
3: We <laughs> blessed, brother. Be blessed. Right. Thanks
10: for that info. Definitely.
5: All
3: right, dude. I like that. I like that word. Be blessed and be black. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man, uh, brother Perry, listen. Uh, let everybody know uh, how they can get the book um, if they want you to come to their their city, or even if they want you to network with some uh, some other people that they uh, uh, are talking to in their city. If some other brothers doing some work there and they want to network with you, how can they get in contact with you? How can they get the book? Anything uh, that you want to let us know. The floor is yours.
10: All right. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Ellie. The first, uh, the worst, the first way to get the book is to go to Amazon.com. The book is titled "Get Up, Get Out, and Get Something: A Message to the Incarcerated Black Man" by Alan Perry. The book also is—I mean—by purchasing the book on Amazon, it's also the easiest and best way to get the book to your loved ones because you can order the book on Amazon and just have it shipped directly to them. And I know I don't know if it were like that for the prisons out there, but the prisons here in Florida, they only take books that come from businesses. So um, that's the easiest way to do that. Um, another thing is they can reach out to me. I mean, I'm doing speaking engagements. My, the, best, the best way to get me is my email, Alan Perry, A-L-A-N-P-E-R-R-Y, the number 77 at gmail.com. That's Perry 77 at gmail.com. And I mean, I return all emails, and then I mean, if, if the communication is there, then I just transfer my phone number, and then we make it vocal from there. Uh, I'm on social media as Dally Boy Perry, D A L L Y B O Y, one word, Dally Boy Perry. I'm on. You can find me on YouTube. Check out my YouTube content. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and then you can find me on Twitter at Dally Boy 100. And um. I just, for the most part, I try to just, 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 I'm about, I'm, I'm about my people. I love my people and I hate our condition, and, and I hate to see us at the bottom. And I know we at the bottom, besides how it might look and what people are telling other people, when you pull the covers back, you're going to find black people at the bottom. You so,
5: know,
10: that's how you can find my book, brother. I'm sorry about that. That last part. I just get passionate at time. No, ain't hey,
2: no, hey, no problem. Yeah. Let, let's go yeah. to six, 602. 602?
13: Yes, good brother, good evening, uh, brother uh, uh, Elliot, brother Richard, and good evening to your guests, good brother. How oh, you? I'm doing all right, I'm doing great. I just want to take, take it a little bit further. Um, you see, the entire United States is a prison for <laughs> black people. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it is evident now. We can see it now. Okay, we live in it now, they are demonstrating it to us now. The, the food yeah. we eat, the clothes we wear, the, the, the educational system, the medical system, the the, the, the uh, no protection under the law. So I mean, yeah. you know, we are we are uh, we see it right now. What you're living, what you're saying, good brother, you know. So it is imperative that we get our act together, quick, fast, and in a hurry because with this corona. You notice now it's down here now, it's down south, it's in New Orleans, it's in St. Saint, Saint Louis, it's in Atlanta, it's in Dallas, it's in Detroit, it's in right there in Philly. And these people are controlling the medical system. So we don't know what these people going to come and do, you know. They, 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 they may say, you know what, we have to quarantine Detroit, we have to quarantine Memphis, and we have to come and as you. You know, so... This is a very dangerous style we're living in. So, brother, you are so so courageous. We got to get ourselves together. Keep on keeping on good brothers. Uh let's keep my I'll uh, keep listening. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you for your call, brother.
13: Thank you, brother. Thank you.
2: Hey, uh, brother Perry. Uh listen, thanks for being with us. Uh we'll be in touch with you. Um, you know, and and anything going on down that way that you uh feel as though the listening audience might benefit from hearing. The door is always open to you, man.
10: Yes, sir. I thank you. i like to just thank you all again, man, for extending this invitation to me, man. I really appreciate it. I hope the listeners got something out of it, and I definitely look to doing it again. And I definitely got you guys in mind for anything going on on this end, and I'm always doing my part. So y'all got my promise on
2: that. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon, man. All right. Peace. All right.
10: Hey, y'all be good, man. Peace.
2: All right. <laughs> We're going to take a brief break and we'll be right back.
7: RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today 484 268 9837. Whenever I come to one of these occasions, that is to try to give you a status report on black people in America. And let me tell you up front, you are not progressing. I've been telling you that now for 25 to 30 years, even when I was with the Carter administration going around the country. You're not going to progress. You're going backwards. You're going backwards. The only people in blacks in America are progressing are those who are locked into a vein called entertainers. If you're an entertainer, what you're telling white folk is that you're as safe as a birth control pill. There ain't nothing going to happen. You're not going to do anything for black folk. If you're running with a ball, joking, telling jokes, singing, dancing, or uh, that's safe... White folk, that doesn't frighten white folk. They'll give you a television show. They'll put you on 10 television shows. They'll make you a host of a television show. They'll let you broadcast every sport event. As long as you don't address any issues dealing with black folk and the problems that black folk have. And so, you, and, and so when you all see all these blacks on television, read about them in the newspaper, those blacks have been classified as being as 20 times safer than the birth control pill. There ain't nothing going to happen for black folk. And so this morning, I want to let you know that you are not progressing. You're not progressing. And first and foremostly, social integration has failed. Get that through your head. Social integration has failed. As a matter of fact, you lost in social ways. You didn't gain anything. You lost everything you had. Any black person here in this auditorium today that's more than 50 years of age can tell you what you used to have. You have nothing now. You used to have theaters and bus companies, cab companies. You used to have almost everything that whites had. But now you have nothing. Why? Because, see, social integration is a, is a weakening process. It is not designed to empower you. Power dynamics might be, but social integration is not. You cannot integrate anything by, you cannot empower anything by integrating it. You weaken it. And in social integration in this country, what social integration did was make you a guest. You became a guest in what other people own and control. And any of you know that once your guest has been with you for two or three days, you want to get rid of them. <laughs> we are guests. You don't own any hotels. You don't own anything of value in the country. That's why everybody's been pu- pushing social integration. That's why you no longer have communities. You used to have decent communities in every black city in America. I used to be able to go to any city and find a black neighborhood. That, not neighborhood, those neighborhoods, communities. You used to have some of the finest communities in America right here in L.A. You had a Compton, you had an Inglewood, you had a Watts, you had a South Central, you had something. You got nothing now. And all my blacks were so silly enough, they moved out of the city up into the mountains and said, I'm getting away from all of I'm going to go up in the mountains by myself. And you turn over the city to the people you're competing against. Social integration cannot enhance you. Now, anybody in social economics knows this. The Jews found this out way back a long time ago, in the 1500s. in in Europe, when Jews tried to socially integrate. And Jews found out very quickly it is a weakening process. They became at risk. No group is going to try to socially integrate. That's an out-group. And especially if you're an out-group, that's a hated group. You are a hated out-group. You've always been a hated out-group. And then why would you go divide yourself up, splinter yourself, and scatter yourselves and think that somehow you're progressing? And see, that's why you don't see any other group in this country trying to socially integrate, except black folk. You have not seen any integration marches from the Asians. What Asians have been trying to socially integrate? What Arabs have been trying to integrate? I did a study in 1960. In 1960, we had approximately 103 black elected officials in the entire United States. I did a social discomfort indicator study. They find out what the conditions were of black folk were in 1960. I looked at the unemployment rate, dysfunctional schools, dysfunctional family, joblessness, unemployment, income, everything, median family income. Then I waited 30 years until 1990 and did the exact same study to see what had happened. Why? Because in 1990, 30 years later, black folks' number of representatives in elected office had gone up over 9,000%. I said if black folks have gone from 103 elected officials to 9,000, boy, we must be doing well in the country. I did the same exact study, discomfort indicator study, and found out that not only didn't black folks progress, guess what? They went backwards. They went backwards because there's no connection between putting a black person in office and getting benefits. None of them are going to do it. As soon as a black person gets elected to office, the first thing they're going to do is violate the sworn oath he just took. He'd swear it over and say, I get, I'm sworn to get in the office to represent those people who elected me to office and serve them. As soon as a black person gets to office, first thing I say is that I'm here to take care of everybody.
3: You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com.
2: Welcome back the time for an awakening i want to thank our guest mr allen perry for being with us spending some time with us and uh check out the book um you can get it through amazon get up get out and get something a message to the incarcerated black man uh rigid yes sir um you know interesting conversation we had with uh, brother perry mm-hmm. and talking about uh Not only his situation, his experience, but uh, what he sees as a solution to try to reach some of our young people that that are headed in that direction. Um, And we see the system has it set up where our young people are funneled in that direction, not headed. They they got them funneled in that direction. Uh, The miseducation in schools, uh, which leads to, I mean, you heard Brother Perry saying, which leads to dropping out. Mm Mm-hmm. And now when you go there, he mentioned before, when he was there, they still had where well, you could do some things as far as getting or finishing your education and things like that. You know, they didn't cut that out in those prisons now
3: and a lot of yeah. those prisons. You know, Elliot, I was um, on a board of a charter school. Um, and I mean, the mantra, you know, which like really frustrated us on um, me was they can be able to tell by fourth grade how many prison cells they needed to create based off of the reading level. So <clears throat> we ain't talking about teenager. We talking about fourth grade. What's that like? Nine, ten years old. And you just
2: you know at that age, Richard, you know, first because in kindergarten you don't you know you might learn your letters. Mm-hmm. But from first to fourth grade, that's when you're really learning how to read. So right. that, that just shows that the midge- miseducation of our children in these school systems starts early. Mm-hmm. By the time they get to seventh and eighth grade, they already – I mean it, – it, Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. Yeah, your talk.
3: I mean, I, you know, because you know, they 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 would show show us and in go into these conferences and 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 take it, Elliot. And and the reason I'm emphasizing this is we talk about the prison population is because I'm a non educator, right? I'm not a professional educator. I just seen this as I just had the opportunity as a community person to be involved in the public school system through the charter school process but you so therefore you get to go to these conferences and you get to understand what these professionals are dealing with but the other thing to the point that you were making that they were saying that the child had to have a hundred thousand words in within their vote not in their vocabulary but within their understanding because that is what will be able to, so that they, by the fourth grade they would be able to to read. And then the issue for those who could read was the comprehension. You could read something, you know the words, and you could read it very fluently. But when you're asked the question, "What did you read?", they couldn't be able to tell you what they read. So, you know, you know, yes, it starts at home, but this process of taking control of our educational you know, process and all the things that are involved because they're listening to social media, they're listening to, the, they're playing the games. We're not communicating with each other and the communication, is, as Brother Perry has said, the communication they're getting is from the music that they're listening to, the movies that they're watching, everything outside of us which is going into their mind which creates the attitude and even the case of the values so when we talk about that prison you know school of prison pop line, pipeline um it, it, it does start very early and he explained that that attitude that they have by 16 17 to where right, I ain't gonna li- I ain't got listen to you and then be in a stressful and economic situation. You know, we don't have no, we don't have computers, and we don't have clothes to go to school. We don't have, you know, food in our house. You know, my mother's stressing out. We got mm-hmm. drugs around. You know, all these indicators. It's, 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 it's. Uh, we, we, we need to. It, it's something to, to, to. Um, not just to talk about, but understand. People like Brother Perry are vital in the redemption of our community.
2: Yeah. And there's something that we must do. I, this this situation is, is something that we can deal with because, I mean, we're facing this and some of these people are making conscious decisions to do uh, some of the things, especially when you, uh, just like brother Perry says, to going back and forth to continuous uh, on a mm-hmm. continuous cycle. Um, mm-hmm. He made the decision to change uh, his mindset he talked about how he had to accomplish that and it was something that he made a conscious decision that he was going to do but um, this thing is, it's a vicious cycle for our people and it's set up that way I mean I read those stats on the air um, and and I'll read it again in 12 states, more than half of the prison population is black Alabama, Mm -hmm. Delaware, Georgia Illinois uh, 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 Louisiana, Maryland Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey North Carolina, South Carolina Virginia and Maryland, whose prison population is 72% African-Americans, tops the nation. Mm -hmm. It says, breaking down these figures by age and gender reveals dramatic findings. In 11 states, at least 1 in 20 adult males in prison uh, is black. Staggering on its own, but these figures don't include incarceration in federal or county jails, which would generally increase the number of people by approximately 50%. So these figures I was reading was just talking about
3: state prisons, right? Okay. And, and and in a lot of those states, the black population is a. I would I would argue probably ain't twenty percent. Less state. than that.
2: L- listen, who, look who tops the list: Vermont, the the, 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 <laughs> the the state that Bernie Sanders is. He's a senator. I think that state is one percent black, but I think it was thirteen percent or more than that percentage of their prison was uh, was black, living in prison. You got uh, a lot more blacks in prison than just living in the state. And then number what? Number five on that list is Delaware. That's the state that the, uh, what's the name of Senator Biden? Biden. <laughs> mm-hmm. they in the top five. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking about figures, people, you know, some people like sports and all. You being in the top five, you up there. So these two states that these two guys talking about, they're gonna represent black people. They're in the top five of having our people on plantations in their state. Mm-hmm. So what does that say about them or their policies?
3: And then, and then, and that's why. I mean, you know, the, the the message that he has in his book, and I and I, I, I thought, you know, really was apropos to not speak, even though um, it was. And, and I and I like what um, Brother Marcus said. Um, for us, America is a, a, a prison. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I don't care who you think you are and where you think you're at. You know, and I just heard uh, Brother Claude Anderson in describing, looking at the indicators. And that was 1960. <laughs> he was talking about. So it gets into, and the amount of black politicians, because I was going to ask them, well, in Florida, now isn't in Florida they just had uh, the guy that ran for governor? Oh, I shouldn't even bring him up. But, um, you know, the amount of black politicians, I would take it probably have grown. But are they reaching out they're getting this analysis that Brother Perry is projecting and being able to identify people like him and giving them the resources so that they can be able to communicate and build the number of individuals by going through the process that, that, that they will listen to him so that they can be able to um, actually um, make it have effect on our community. I mean, because where are the resources going to come from? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, and, and for those who have resources, you know, th- this is where people like that are the people that we should be investing in. And just as a side, and communication outlets like this, because other than that, we will not be able to bring people together to see that there's people are out there doing the work that needs to be done and they have a correct analysis.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Um you know, we got a couple calls here. Let me before I go to it, Richard, one other thing that he mentioned, and I think uh Maurice uh Carver mentioned it, that uh in New York they let just like in other cities, they're letting out uh, uh, brothers from behind bars, uh, what they term low low level offenders, mm-hmm. but I know here, and he mentioned about the figures in New York that uh, I think 120 something prisoners that was on Rikers Island uh, tested mm-hmm. p- or had the virus. Mm-hmm. Now, um, they talked about asymptomatic people being carriers of it, meaning you could carry it around but you might not develop into the COVID-19. So right. a prison, which is all recycled air, and you're uh, violating that social uh, distancing all the time. So when you're letting folks out and they're going home, like he mentioned about uh, a couple of people going home and they had to live with their grandparents, right. how are you exposing, see that, that you know, when I read that article about things that they're doing and how this is going to affect the black community more than other communities, I mean, how, how is that working? You Men have been in an environment where they've been exposed to this, and they know they have. So you're just letting them out and sending them home right back into the community. I mean, how how is that, how is that working? How, how is that going to work? And where's the testing in these communities? It, it, they open up a testing site in the Philadelphia area, up there in West Oak Lane section near my shop. But that's just for uh, first responders, not for mm-hmm. the general public. So, I, you know, we listen, we, we see what is happening up there in New York. Uh, we see what's happening down there in New Orleans. And they said that the, one of the reasons it exploded down there was because they had that money down there the last week right. in February. Right. And we know who the population of New Orleans is. Right. And they keep uh, saying on these uh, television reports that uh, the, the the governor up there in New or- uh, New York is telling uh, Philadelphia and Pennsylvania that you're only 90 miles away. And what's mm-hmm. happening up there is coming here. Right. Because, uh, listen, you know, Richard, when they started gentrifying Philadelphia, a lot of people that lived in New York Dang were coming yeah, yeah. down here buying homes. And working in New York, and then just catching the train or whatever, riding back.
13: Right.
2: So you got some of the similar population. Uh, I mean, that's been living up there. That's here. It's already here. It just haven't gotten to the point that it has been in in New York City.
3: Yeah, they, they they're um, they're even um, creating these here um, sites where you can monitor the growth in different communities of how many people have been tested positive um so you can actually see a map and find the the amount of numbers of people that have tested positive in in your um, particular and they're doing it by even zip codes um for for philadelphia and um looking at the um i think that it, it says 139 cases but um west philadelphia one section of west philadelphia has the largest amount of um cases with um i think it's 40 40 uh, 37.
2: yeah i saw, so, I saw they, they got a um and i don't know whether you saw it they got a uh a graph that um in fact is an app that kind of updates regularly right uh, by zip codes in philadelphia right. how many cases yeah. is popping up yeah oh so you've you've seen that
3: yeah. That's what I'm looking at now. Oh, oh,
2: okay. Okay.
3: Right. Yeah. So that, um, you know, the, 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 the whole monitoring, but you know, the testing, you know, it is interesting because you got to go to the place to get tested and you can't, you can't, you know, this, this, this country, um, you know, is not really, um, structured, to take care of his people. And I think um, we, as black Americans, um, African Americans, as Africans, if we don't really get that in our head, the country was never built to do that.
2: I know it, <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of funny you mentioned that Richard, cause I was, I had a conversation with a guy on the phone, this very conversation three days ago, that this system that we live under It's not, just like you said, it's not structured to take care of people, to take care of people, period. He has an image that he wants to take care of people, but he doesn't. Trillions of dollars is dedicated towards weaponry and building the biggest bomb. But when a situation like this arises, they don't have life-saving equipment. They don't have ventilators. They don't have protective equipment. They don't have it. It would seem to me, if you had a righteous society, as this society claims, that most of your money would be dedicated towards emergency equipment to help in case something happens.
3: And, you, and it's not like this situation hasn't occurred before. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, I, I keep getting these numbers mixed up, you all know, You know, and this is for where the listening audience and calling in, to, you know, to correct, correct somebody like me. But when they had the H1N1 virus, which came out of, again, from having so many chickens batched together in a factory type of process and the virus transferred from the chicken to humans and that virus not only affected Americans, but went around the world. They have not learned now because this, Let's say COVID-19 is a virus that's supposed to come from someplace else, right? From animals that went into humans that is being, you know, passed on by humans. But here in America, they then start cutting the hospitals funding um, or the CDC funding. They Obviously, what we're seeing now, the hospitals ain't prepared for... Now they they had an infectious disease not too long ago. And they're talking about they can't find no ventilators. <laughs> yeah. Right? But then showing how other countries, what they did, they shut it down and made sure everybody was tested to identify like that. Here, they can't even get the testing together. Forget people having no not having no toilet paper paper towels these guys ain't even got testing equipment to test everybody. I know it. Right? And they're telling us you got to stay in the house, but then you got to go out to get tested to see, and at any time you out, you can get touched. Even though you got tested, you could be touched soon after you got tested and have the virus. (laughs) Something ain't right here. And, 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 And then they debating whether they're going to send you back to work because these guys can't make no money.
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: this is crazy. But listen, this is a perfect opportunity, Richard, for our people to really, if we, if we got any type of consciousness about us to really reassess what we're doing and how we intend to move forward. Because with these children out of school, Richard, and especially uh, public schools where black children go, mm-hmm. they just basically sent them home. Mm-hmm. So they just sitting right. watching television, just sitting at home. Uh, it's learning continuing with some of these white schools because they had already been set up with computers. So some wow. of these teachers is having classes with some of these public schools right at home. It's the, the like a lot, a lot of the inner city schools that didn't have learning going on. Now, right. now here in Philadelphia, this si- superintendent talking about he's going to try to get some computers to send home with the children they would already been home for two almost three weeks mm-hmm. see but this is an opportunity for us to reassess what we're doing as far as educating our children it's been plenty of black uh grassroots people in all of these cities that's been doing things uh online uh, uh the genesis club
3: um what's his name uh, yeah oh man I can't even think well, of You know right who now. I'm talking about? With yes, Genesis. Yes. Yes. They've been doing
2: Good. online classes for years. But a lot of people hadn't been involved. And you didn't see a lot of church uh, organizations or social organizations pushing it. But now we got an opportunity now to direct our children towards some of these resources that he had heretofore been ignored. Mm, wow. Some of our uh uh, uh African American churches. I know here in Philadelphia when we was trying to push uh, them getting involved with African-American farmers and bringing them here, it was like pulling teeth to get any churches involved. They were ready to help the Amish. Right. Now we see this situation with people standing up in stores and and, and fighting over stuff, and you go in the store, ain't nothing in there. See, we got an opportunity now to reassess what we're doing. Perfect opportunity. Just like Brother Marcus used to always say. What did he always say? Situations... I forgot how he put that saying, but it's right before us.
3: Mm-hmm. Circumstance yeah, yeah. is going to be the right question, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm.
2: Let me let me go to 215. Uh, 215?
9: Hey, Brother Elliot, how you doing, man?
2: How are you, sir? Hey, Brother Richard,
9: how you doing, good brothers?
3: All right, now.
9: Uh, praise be to my major brothers doing well. Yeah, just, just, just as a aside before I talk about your yeah, subject matter. What, what you and Brother Richard was referring to, my dear Brother Elliot, is the Genesis Institute that's ran by Helen and Ali Dean.
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
9: And uh, I, I had the pleasure back in the summer 2000. I was a chaperone, and uh, we went to Egypt, we went to Ghana, and we went to uh, uh, Amsterdam. And, uh, I, and and while I was over in Egypt, I had a chance to pray, and that my UFC you know, picture of Brother Malcolm praying, over there at the, at the mosque in cairo, i was in that i forgot the name of the mosque. I was in that same mosque i was on the same prayer of a mat that brother Malcolm prayed and back in nineteen sixty four I just felt so. Oh, man, it was beautiful, man. And like I guess I had a good time over there and stuff. And uh, Helen and Ali do a lot of great things for our children. They take children from all over the United States to Egypt to to Ghana, you know, to, to all throughout the, uh, Africa and everything. And it's, it's just a beautiful experience. And a lot of the young, the young men and women that went over there was kind of hard-headed. I, the two boys I had was kind of hard-headed. You know how these young people are. And uh, But they but they, they, as tough as they was, don't tell me it don't have an effect, because we went to the slave dungeons in Ghana. These young men that were so tough and, and kind like you know hard edge, they was they were crying, Elliot and Richard. You know what I mean? They was actually crying. They could feel their ancestors. So they came and they and they when they when they came back to the states, I talked to their parents. and They said, Mister Joe, you know. Yo, y'all trip had an a, a profound experience and they started getting their attitude together. And they, their grades picked up too, uh, brother Elliot and brother Richard. They started paying attention in school. They started their grades went up and everything. So don't tell me that when you do, had the right stuff for our children, they don't, they will, they will do the right thing. You Had the right teachers and the right uh, curriculum, they will do right. But like you said, brother Elliot, Richard, this, this they purposely miseducate our children in this society and, and stuff. They don't, they don't, they're not out there. If you think that the white man is going to Educate your şey children. To, to, to compete and overtake his, you're crazy. And, we, and we're the only people, for the most part, that, that trust the enemy to educate our children. And, 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 and like you said, Allie, this is a golden time for us to reassess, not only for the educational thing, but like you just said, the, the Brother Richard for the, for the farmers. stuff. So this is a golden opportunity for us, to, for these black churches and this so-called black misleadership on a city, state, and especially federal level, to start reassessing the need to support our black farmers. You know what I mean? This is This, this is vital, man. This is a golden opportunity, but knowing the but knowing the way these Negroes think, they won't. Because like, I'm just being honest, they won't, because they don't think like that, you know. I, I, I you would have thought Katrina would have would have taught these Negroes something, you know. But you know, hey, what so can you say? You know, it's just you know, I don't know. <laughs> it yeah. just it just like the beat just goes on and on, you know. But uh, yeah, but you but but you remember what you're saying? I was right on on point, man. You know, you know, this is a golden opportunity, man. You know. But anyway, uh, brother Allen, brother Richard, did y'all uh, uh, Jay, brother Jay's New York his good friend Perm Daddy? He interviewed our brother yesterday. I don't know if you and Richard had a chance to see it on MSNBC. He interviewed brother the mayor of Jackson, Charlie Lamumba. Did y'all happen to see that yesterday?
5: No, um, no, no.
9: Yeah, it was a good interview too, man. I mean, he it was real good. I mean, you know, he was basically telling a uh, uh, Perm Daddy that you know he said you know we we uh, he's a me and the other mayors because you know Jackson is the largest. City in the state of Mississippi, and Brother Chalway was basically telling Sharpton that, uh, you know, we we are in opposition with the with the Republican mayor, uh, governor down there, because he pretty much is a Trump, a, a Donald Trump walking. Uh, he pretty much, a, a, what you what you would call a talking sycophant for Donald Trump, and he opposing what they trying to do, with the other mayors trying to make the, the city safe and everything. And this guy's pretty much a Donald Donald Trump flunky, so to speak. And he was basically telling how they, you know, how that that that, and so. He was basically telling Sharp and they, we have to, you know, over. If we have to disobey his so called order, we'll do it because he's because at the end of the day, like brother Lumumba said, we're about trying to keep our people safe. We ain't trying to get caught up in because he wanted to, you know, because he wanted to be a, a mouthpiece for Donald Trump. It's about making out, make, making sure that our city is safe. That's what brother uh, Chowey handled so very well because as you know, we all had to of meet them up in Derby that time, me, and you, Richard, Reggie, up we all met him up there and stuff, and, and the sisters up there. We all met him. and you and I knew then that the brother was going to be a good mayor and, 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 and a good. Conscious brother, and, and from, from what I see, he stole. He stole the same brother and stuff. And I was proud the way he. I was proud the way he. You know, he did the interview with Sharpton yesterday. It was very, very, uh, very good interview. You know.
3: Okay. Is it is yeah. it interesting, it's an interesting thing? Um, you know that uh Sharpton would even interview him, and in my twisted mind, because
5: <laughs>
3: Chuckway Chuck is supporting um, what's his name, Sanders, right? So they, you know, you right. know, and they, and all the these black, uh, uh, all these black uh, elected officials have been going with Biden. Of course, you know? of course. So it, you know, it, it, it's uh, trying to bring a rap, You know, him taking that position seems to be out of step with oh, all no doubt. Uh, all these other black officials. And I've seen a report, uh, Elliot, too. that I, I don't know if I shared that with you that the. The black people, the highest contribution of of donations went to um, um, Sanders.
2: Yeah, yeah, I saw you that. You see,
3: all the black politicians are supporting Biden. And,
9: and brother Richard, if if I, if I can interrupt, Richard, I'm glad you've raised that, Richard, because again, like I shared with brother Elliot, and it's no secret. If it was not for black people, especially older black people. And, so, and I can't emphasize this enough. Bernie Sanders would pretty much had a nomination wrapped up right now. They're the ones saved us behind. You know what I mean? See, that's what I see, see, we always put in a position. And like I say, like Malcolm said on the table, you put them first, they put you last. Now, here already, they show you how, how you deal with black misleadership. Now, black folks, the elderly blacks in, in states like South Carolina, North Carolina, Alabama, Mississippi, they all. Virginia, they all voted overwhelmingly for Joe Biden. Now, so, 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 Biden can't deny it. It was the black older black vote they saved his, his behind and you would think that this mis-black mis, mis leadership and that congressional black caucus will be going to Biden right now with a black agenda but they're not doing it because all they think about themselves this is why we always a day late and the dollar short this, you got leverage right now they but they don't think like that they like they think like slaves all them Negroes was looking for is, is a little crumb from Biden so if Biden get in there which I don't think he's gonna beat Trump anyway but let's just say for the sake of argument that he got all them Negroes like 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 Cobborn and the Dwight Evans and and all the rest of them Negroes looking for is a little crumb, hoping they get some kind of cabinet position so they could so, so they could feel good, poke their chest out by by the mass of black people still catching hell out here. See that's that black misleadership that Glenn Ford and the and the late Bruce Dixon was talking about on BlackAgenda.com. They all them Negroes, they not work for crumb. John Lewis you can throw John Lewis in that bunch. All them Negroes looking for is, is some crumbs off the white man's table. They got this is a perfect opportunity for them to, to, to go to Joe Biden for black agenda. Joe Biden right now, his whole thing is, when he, if he became president, I can tell you right off the bat, it's no secret he's pro-Israel. He's gonna be, but he's gonna be more of a Zionist president than Trump ever gonna be. He's gonna be pro-military, pro-law enforcement, and he gonna and he gonna join in with his Republican cohorts to go to, to, to once again. His assault on Medicare and Social Security, which a lot of our black folks is on, especially our elder ones and stuff, is on. He's gonna start his assault on that. I mean, these our, our people just we just continually go for the okey doke, man. It's just it's just so man. I'm t- I'm telling you, man, it's just so bad. And and again, because again, you got black misleadership, and that's what it all comes down to. This black misleadership, brother Richard and brother Elliot, that's what it comes down to. And and, and lastly, you have to be a. I say this, and I and I go, Elliot and Richard. You have to be a, a very strong black man or woman to be a White House reporter. That Nickampook moron that's in the White House on Pennsylvania Avenue, he has total disdain, which I get, which you already know. He has no, he has total disdain with, for black reporters. He disrespected, but I got to give that sister credit. She did not back down because he didn't got into it with her before. The little, the beautiful brown skin sister, you know, the pretty skin, the short hair, she she was asking Trump a couple questions at the, at the White House briefing outside, outside the White House today. And she asked, she said, well, Mr. President, you... I'm only saying what you said. You see, you I saw you on shorthands, so, slow, and I'm quoting what you said. Oh, you just try to embarrass me again. You you this and that, you try to talk all over the top. She said, Mr. President, you the one said it. Well, well you know, you always try to get these got you moments and stuff like that. You know, you you, you know, you need to stop acting so ignorant. Some some of those stuff he talked disrespectful. So she was saying, Mr. President, we asked my question, so he talked all over the top of her and said, Look, Go to somebody else. I'm tired of you. Go to somebody else. And, and you, you just be just be quiet. I might come back to you later on. And the sister was still trying to get her point across before they cut her mic off. And so I mean, I'm like saying, man, you got you have to be a, a glutton for punishment. And he did the same thing to the brother who spoke before. He wasn't he wasn't quite as nasty to the brother that he was to her, but he was just, almost just as bad. I mean, you have to be a you must be really want to make a living. They have to put up with a, for, for a bum like that. to sit The sister had to deal with somebody that talked to you with no, with no kind of. Respect. Respect, man, here they talking to him. Respect, addressing him as Mr. President, and he come back and when they're asking simple questions like a reporter supposed to ask, he comes back at them like they some like they some kind of nobodies. Like, you know what I mean, Ellen Richard? Just, just I said, man, I couldn't have had a job like that, Ellen Richard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just couldn't. I could I deal with this guy, man. I want him getting arrested, man. I would tell him where he can go off and where he could step off to, man. Ain't no way way I could put up a guy like him, man. You know what I mean, Ellen Richard?
13: Yeah, I hear you.
9: I mean, I wish wish y'all could see that tonight, man, the way he talked to that sister, man. Just totally disrespectful, man. I'm like, boy, you... (laughs) You orange face looking bald, man. I'm, I tell you, this took me out there in handcuffs today, man. I'm telling you. But anyway, Brother Mitchell, I think so. I brother, good uh, time uh, uh, and I and I, and I, I be but so I, I enjoy Brother Perry and stuff and his book and stuff, you know, about the incarcerated black man in America because, you know, that's that, that's pretty much what you're dealing with today. Like, whether it be a high-ranking, high-profile black man like Bill Cosby or just little Raheem from the neighborhood, you know, it's Black men is black, men, you know what I mean? Now, in regards to socioeconomic status, they fill these prisons, and even, even black women is making up a large... Uh, a, a portion of the uh, prison population. So we see clearly that these people uh, have a best interest in keeping our people locked up as caged animals and stuff. And we have got to, like you said, Ellen Richard, try to do our best to correct that that that, that problem and change that paradigm. It definitely needs to be changed, man. And, I, and and Brother Perry, I enjoyed your interview with him. He has some good information. I'm glad the brother you know, turned his life around. You know what I mean? i praise be to Allah for that he turned his life around. And many others can, because Al-Hajj, Malik Shabazz, better known to the world, as Malcolm X, he showed you, with the right teachers and the right knowledge, we all, we all can turn our, with the old, all of us that make mistakes and go astray, and, and we wind up in the belly of the beast, which is the prison cell, with the right knowledge, we all can turn our lives around. And that's that, is, this is, this, this, that's that clear. We all can turn our lives around. if We get the right knowledge and stuff. Like you always say, Brother Elliott, our people are destroyed. As Jose say, we're destroyed for lack of knowledge, and that's what it comes down to. But anyway, thanks, brothers, you and Brother Rich. Have a good night, Elliot, and i listen to the rest of the show.
2: Talk to you.
13: Hi, <clears throat> peace.
2: Let's go to let's go to six
13: four
11: six six four six. Was that my main man, little Joe talking gangster about what he would do to Fredo Trump? Ah, little Joe, you the man, B. You the man. Uh, Richard, it's not the fourth grade, it's the third grade in New York. Uh uh
3: so okay. Well here it was um the fourth, but it may have changed. I've been away a while.
11: Yeah, it's the third it's the third grade in New York where they um take the I guess the standardized tests or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's what they do because I know in New York State the majority of the prison population comes from five districts. I think it's two in Queens, one in Brooklyn, one in the Bronx, and one in Manhattan, or two in Brooklyn, one in Queens. I, I, I know they they even flip, but it's those five districts that are uh responsible for like eighty percent of the population of the prisons. So, you know, that's that's how they that's how they get down. I mean, I see that old Fredo had to back off his um, assertion that they may be able to open some things up by um, Easter, the holy holiday, you know, but I guess the Sky Daddy ain't going for that because he had to basically push it back from what I see till the end of April. I mean, my, my prediction is that this thing doesn't die down to the first of maybe July and then it'll probably be back um let's say by October or November or December um will they be in a better position to um handle it um hopefully they will be but um you know it it just hasn't run its course yet as far as I'm, I'm concerned um it it it's gonna just be totally tragic for our community, um. In a sense that um, you know, most black businesses are gonna be shut down. The the whole total economics of this thing is gonna wipe a lot of people out, and um, I I just don't see like you say how we are gonna recover, cause cause I know you know take somebody like you, brother. Elliot, I mean, what would happen, let's say, if unfortunately you can't open up again until, let's say, June or July? Uh, Wouldn't that totally affect you in a very serious way?
2: Well, yeah, it'd affect anybody that's in small business. Um, The the only thing that's different is, uh, you know, everybody is closed. So, you know, everybody will be opening up at the same time. So yeah. you know, yeah, but it'll still affect people, yeah.
11: And it it'll be, it'll be hard, man, seeing seeing Negroes with um out haircuts. Um, you you know what I mean? But you know, knowing us, we may make it into a new fashion statement. Um, thing. I know a friend of mine that cuts here. He's been doing private client sessions, man. He'll. He'll go to, um, you know, a person's house, you know, some of his best clients, and he'll do that. But every barman ain't going to do that. Um, yeah, it's, and, it's, and
2: it's plus just, he get, he might be able to do that now, but if things get uh, get worse than he, that, that wouldn't yeah, be smart yeah, for him yeah, to do that.
11: Yes, yeah, yeah. and it seems like I know in certain areas, you know, it's, it's, I don't know if it's leveling off. I don't know what's happening. I mean, you'll know more within the next two weeks. But it's definitely a crisis. It's like I tell anybody, man, if you're going to go out and you have to go to the stores or anything like this, you got to go early, early when the store first opens so you can get in and out of there. And, uh, you know, these, these white people in these stores, are just becoming, in a sense, more paranoid, more arrogant, more embedded, you know, just, you know, you have to really be careful and watch yourself before you smack one of them, because it can happen. (laughs) Believe me, it can happen. I mean, I don't know if y'all have had any problems or anything with any of these devils while y'all been in this supermarket or anything or your family members or anything like that, but I know I know two people that that had issues with these devils, and uh, you know you got to tell them straight up, back up. You know, because white white people don't understand social distancing. If the truth be told, they want to get all up on you. You know what I mean? They they confuse when they at the cash register. They they they. I, I mean, it's it's just a horrible, it's a horrible situation. In a sense, man, and uh, you know, you got the real sickos like this woman um, that went and coughed on thirty-five thousand dollars worth of products that the guy had to get rid of, and I hope they absolutely punish her severely as a terrorist because she is a terrorist and she should be treated like a terrorist, you know. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know what's gonna. Happened, and then you know you got you got your boy at the head that uh, he just he just wow man, I mean, and he's using it to his benefit. If you notice, before he was coming on in the afternoon, now he's made it to where he's coming on after the stock market has closed and where most people are sitting down watching the news. And I would hope that at some point in time, the news media would wake up and, you know, put it into his his little show because you all all it is is a campaign, and it doesn't seem to me. I don't know if y'all noticed where is Sleepy Joe at? Has anybody seen Sleepy Joe? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, well, I I don't think, you know, the the, the campaigning has stopped. So, you know, I don't think you see any of them, to be honest. The
11: campaign campaign can't stop, brother. Sleepy Sleepy Joe has to be placed in a position where he's getting his message out, him and Bernie. Now, I'm hoping, and I don't know if it's going to happen, but a lot of people are talking about it. And it's quite interesting that at the Democratic Convention... They're talking about Biden and all, you know, Cuomo, to become the president over Sleepy Joe and Biden.
2: Yeah, I but now, know. now, when is that uh, convention? When is that convention slated? I
11: think it's, I think it's June or July. July, um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and that's yeah, going to be. Yeah, but you don't know. Gonna be even more interesting.
2: Yeah, but you don't I'm know how sure. things are going to be around that time, so we don't, you know.
11: Yeah. I want to know if they even going to have the convention, if people are going to be able to come together and participate on it. Because you you really don't even know where this virus is going to go. Because let's take this into consideration. One person could basically infect a whole crowd
2: now now, uh, now look at it this way you had i think it was in october um when it was discovered supposedly from reports when it was discovered over there in wuhan or that city over there in china and the nation shut everything down i mean they shut it on lockdown um and they're just coming out of it now which is about six months later now United States didn't do that, and it's exploding. If uh, And the reason I could, uh, that date, I think it was uh, uh, March 11th, because the 76ers had just played Detroit Pistons that night when they had announced during the game or right after the game that the the uh, the, uh, the brother up there on. in, in uh, Utah had tested positive. So right. that night they shut the NBA down, and before the week was over, they shut all sports down. Now yeah. that's two weeks ago. March is not even out yet; it'll be out in a couple of days. But look at what has happened from the basically the middle of March until just last couple of days in March. New York has been shut down, and you see the situation that it's in. So this is only going to get all these projections that they're talking about. I shoot. <laughs> You can see that it's moving in that direction.
11: Hey, hey, hey if you take it in, in the order and what has happened, okay, let's say, like you said, China was October. They shut it down. The United States, I believe, found out about it in December, January, and basically Trump didn't deal with it until March. So between January, February, and March, they know about it, and they didn't put nothing into play because they thought that the things that he did in the beginning was going to stop it from escalating to what it is. And now look at how it has escalated. It's okay. escalated in certain areas. And where it's escalated has been based on where somebody else from some place has come into a city and been in a large gathering like what happened with Mardi Gras, and then all of a sudden, a couple of weeks later, all hell breaks loose. So in all honesty, you don't even know what's going to happen, like you said, in these other states because you and I both know people have left New York, left New Orleans, and gone to other states and gone to other places and you know, I don't even honestly, if we're gonna be truthful. I don't even think they got this organized to really deal with the pandemic in the manner in which it's 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 spreading in which which is growing. Now, I would say the next hot spot is gonna be
13: Florida.
2: Well, they already right said because, that because a lot know, of people yeah. left New York and went to Florida.
3: Right, right, yeah, and, and well,
13: and uh, the, uh, yeah,
2: the and
3: trying and, to hold them all. <laughs>
11: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then now those characters that was out there for, for freak Nick and all that other nonsense, they now going back to their holes in other places around the country, probably taking it with them. And then that's going to that's going to spread. OK, so the reality is that we are for a serious, serious log haul. But the question becomes what You get control of this epidemic, are you going to be able to stop it from ever happening again? And I say, in all honesty, no. I say it may be one of these type of viruses that will be seasonal, that will happen between the months of, let's say, January and July. Now, think about this. What would happen in this country if that is the case? What would, what would what do you think would happen if that was the case? What would happen if you were in a position in this country to every six months, they're going to have to shut down a city?
3: I don't think they, do I, the city I, based off of what I believe, I understand. Once they get the vaccine, Yes, I, yes. They, it will, every year, you know, you they will want you to take the vaccine, but the contagion, um, um, because everybody will be vaccinated, it will not operate in the same manner. That's what I perceive. Uh, I understand. Understand. I don't so,
11: no vaccination. How? I would never take I would never I a mean, Right,
3: right. But that. But the the point is, they will have the challenge. Is now versus at that point, which they're saying, if they do it by the way they're laying it out, it'll be a year before, a year or two before they have a real vaccine. But, and then just like the yeah. cold vaccine, everybody has to take, what's that, that one that everybody, they want everybody to take flu vaccine every year, yeah, and they're to the vaccine every year. Once they get that, but the challenge between that and now is, they don't know as the point that you're saying, they don't know who has it and what they should have done, and they knew in October, but America is a different system, and that that gets into that so it, the way you lay out the the scenario is that America has some vested interest in its um citizens if you want to call us that or its population. America does not have a vested interest in it like other countries like China. Like,
11: American, like, South concern, concern is what pharmaceuticals co- company is gonna build the vaccination first and get paid? Who's gonna be able to get the vaccination and maybe copy, copy it, you know, trademark it? That's what America is strictly about. Who's gonna be in the position? to do that, because whoever's working on the vaccination now, they're trying to get it as quick as they can, so that they can trademark it. But that, they're not going to share the information. But the, mean, the,
3: thing, the thing now is the testing, and that's the, the deployment of the testing to every person to identify who has the virus to the degree that everybody, assume everybody has it, but who has it to the degree that they're, that, to the degree of them being at the, what's that, COVID-19 level. That's what the, and this is where they're slow at. And this is the, the whole thing, because the the impact is the people who have it, their concern is about the hospitals that will be overwhelmed. Not that the people got it, is that the hospitals Will be overwhelmed, and that the people would think that they should be able to go to the hospital and get some relief. But because the hospital is overwhelmed by beds, by ventilators, by staff, which they didn't prepare for, that's what, because if people see their parents or their loved ones dying because there's going to be a lottery of who can get into the hospital to get the bed or a lottery of who can get the the bed. The, the, then that would make other people say, whoa, we're not having
11: Well, I know, I know what they're doing in New York. For, for, if I'm not mistaken, I know y- y'all both know about the Javis Center. <clears throat> Tomorrow, from my understanding, they're opening up a makeshift hospital with 29,000 beds, and from what I understand, they are going to look for ways or ways to transfer patients that are not, um, you know, too too ill um, to that hospital and then use the regular hospitals as a place, from my understanding, I may be wrong, to deal with the corona, with the corona virus, right. so that's basically saying that this whole corona virus is gonna escalate. Oh, they, it's, they it's, yeah, they in sense,
2: yeah, they know scary, that, bro. They um, because
11: yeah, I, I don't know,
2: brother Otis put in the chat room. They got two be? two field hospitals. What, they're gonna set up in Central Park.
11: Mm. Yeah, they doing that too. What is your um? What is the word in Philadelphia? How how many people? Are they talking about in Philadelphia that may have may have may have it at this time? What's yeah, the numbers?
2: You know, I don't know the current numbers. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, it's going up all the time. But they're already trying to make provisions um, with extra <laughs> hospital space. In fact, the hospital. <laughs> Go ahead, The hospital that just closed—they had a big hospital over there on Debra Street near City Hall that just closed about six months ago and put all these black folks out of their jobs. The city went back to the the guy that bought the hospital to reopen it as an emergency hospital. And he said, Well, you can reopen it and I want seven hundred thousand what did he say? A million. Yeah, a million dollars or something like that to, to open it back up. How
11: did he ever how did he ever get the their position to, to buy the buy in the place? Well he
2: did gentrify it. I mean, listen, all they're interested in is money. They want oh, money. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he bought the hospital and put all those black folks out of work. It was a lot of black folks. There was white folks over there, too. But, you know, Whoa. a lot of support staff and all were black, and they, they got put out of work. Now, all of a sudden, the city went back to him. It's a Jewish fellow that owns it. Went back to him to get the hospital for you emergency use, and he said, well, yeah, you can use it. I want a million dollars. A million dollars and a what month. What are they going to do? Are uh, they, they going to give no, him a million dollars? No, they're going in another direction. I think that they had a um, a children's discipline school, where it was basically a young people's jail, that's outside of the city that they're going to use. One of the they, sites they, they're going to use. They're going to use other sites.
11: And you know what they should do? They should. Somebody should really stick it to him. Somebody <laughs> should really make it to where, when he goes and get a permit. He can't get a permit. They should really do a number on him for doing that.
3: But but, the, but um, what he showed, though, I mean, this is, I mean, you know, and 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 I, and I appreciate with you know, raising it, Jay. But you know, uh, and and maybe it's just my own frustration. He really only shows this is how America thinks. Yeah, this is exactly. how the American business community thinks. So what makes you think they care? The reason why they don't have the ventilators, they don't have the doctors, they don't have the hospitals is because America and they, they defunded public housing. I mean, public, um, public health, health, they defunded it. The federal government defunded it. Now they put it on Trump, but it's been defunding, right? So it's because they don't care about a large part of the American public. And we put it in historical context and, and, and put it in black historical context they never did. They yeah, worked well, until you die. But Richard, but,
11: Richard, this uh, this epidemic that's happening is not discriminating. It's
3: everybody. Them, you're, you're not getting what I'm saying. Well, when i you saying, what you're saying. You know, because, yes, it isn't. But the question is, and I've been hearing them, how they don't care. If you lose 4% of the population, If you know, uh, is that what you're willing to lose in order to get back the business to make whatever you make it and now, well the
11: president it, basically said it yes he's basically said it and they had to they had to push back a though because it, at the time it was a little too incentive but I tell you this. I tell you this: if he waited another month, he could have made the statement and got away with it. Because that's how most people are going to feel. You got a lot of people here who are not going who are going to be out of work for a long period of time. It looks like who don't have any money and who are going to be in a situation to, whereas their lives are just going to be,
3: um, niroas. As far you, but, as I'm concerned but you excuse me you can't think like a worker this is not this what we're looking at is not the workers or human beings we're looking at the business class the wealthy class who owns the assets who owns these conglomerates how right. they think and their thinking is well how long well one they're saying i mean he was using what you call but they're saying get them back to work as soon as possible, and we don't care how many die. I agree because, with you. Because if they're not working, we're not, our system say, is as now not the money, because that's funny, what they put that $2 trillion, that's funny money. That ain't even real money. It's their yeah. system. The system of having people think that they're living a life under their own control compared to living a life being controlled called work no question
11: And you know and
3: you know also if the truth be
11: told they're gonna have to do another stimulus package and give more money in the next i would say two months depending on how this thing plays out because there's going to be a lot of people who are just going to be financially devastated i mean you gotta i mean think about the young people coming out of college Think about just everyday people like me and you. I mean, just just think about it. You know what I mean? I I, I was like, you know, I was saying to, to, to a friend of mine, you know, I'm saying, man, I'm glad that the tenants that I have, all of them are section eight because I'm just hoping they don't mess with that guarantee check. You know what I mean? That's just real talk. You know what I mean? That's... That's real talk, because if the situation would be I had to depend on people who had jobs and lost state jobs to pay to pay rent, I don't think, honestly, I would get it. I ain't going to lie to you. So my whole feeling is those that have to pay whatever portion they have to pay of the rent, if they tell me they don't have it, I ain't sweating it. But, but the know, thing is,
3: that, the thing but, is but the thing is see this this the the government um receipts are already stretched cuz you remember before people were talking about the debt you know the 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 the, the, the deficit and and the debt that is a but basically the deficit which means that the government doesn't have any money and it was relying on people buying their bonds to be able to supply to pay take care of the government function. So how depending on how mean? Huh?
11: But I disagree with you because if that's the case, they wouldn't have been able to come up with these with this one trillion dollars that they just
3: came up with if they that's didn't have no money. money. That's funny money. Well, that's the Federal Reserve. But the Federal Reserve is just printing dollars. That's you know, so people the dollars don't mean anything. What means is who is going to buy your debt. If you the people don't buy your debt, then you can't borrow, you know, and and you can see the the people who bought when you look at the numbers of who owned most of the government debt. They talk about the countries like China, you know, or or Singapore, but when you look at it, it was those venture capitalist funds. It was the state pension funds. They were buying government bonds. And they were taking, they were, so if the government can't pay because it's not receiving, and where does the funds come from? Taxes. If it doesn't receive the taxes, then it can't pay the interest on the debt. Well, did they going to have to make some adjustment? <laughs>
11: They're
3: going to have to make some adjustments. I
11: be
5: wrong.
3: will
11: accept they, to be wrong. <laughs> you know. Hey, hey All listen, right. The thing is this. The, Richard, they're going to have to make some sort of adjustments. You know what I mean? Because think about this. Do you think they're going to not come after someone? Who they gonna, Who they going to come after? I mean, you can't come after people in a situation to where as they've just been destroyed – economically you're gonna have to go after them ones that he gave the tax cut to. You're gonna have
5: to
12: say
11: say, listen, y'all gotta give something up because this is what the deal is. And if they don't, all hell go break loose. That's just the re- that's just the reality. Because this could be the crisis that wake the country up to the economic inequalities that's going on. This could be the thing that doesn't.
2: What do you mean wake the country up? Huh? What do you mean wake the country up?
11: I think think you can wake the country up by the way people are going to suffer economically and how certain individuals are getting, like, one would say tax breaks and other benefits that the everyday Joe Blow is not getting, and now they're going to ask you to give more of what you don't have, but they're not. Challenging those that have to give anything.
2: Well, so uh, I mean, that's me up. Well, the only thing I'm interested in is black folks waking up. I could care less about the country and what they well, wake no, up I to. I
11: don't care about. I don't care. I don't care about no, no, no Urugu, whatsoever. Man, that's that's not even an issue with me. As far as we go,
2: well, you said the country, so go, I just want to I don't clarify. know what happened to us. I
11: don't know. I'll be honest with you. Well, me, I don't know what will happen well, to us.
2: We'll bring it on home because I'm going to go to this next call.
11: Go ahead to the next call. Just put me on on mute. And listen, man, y'all have a good week. Stay strong. And let me tell you, we will survive this because we are strong people. And we always have survived. Remember, they enslaved us. And we still here. Hold
12: up. Talk
2: to you. Let's go to uh, Newport News. Newport News.
12: Gentlemen, how
3: you doing? All right.
12: Uh, hey, you covered so okay. much, I'm just going to try to keep it short. Uh, one of the things you talk about how this country does things, part of that bailout, I spent the last couple of days going over it, and I want to say something to Richard, but better understanding of how this country has been working with the Fed because we do have fiat capital. One of the people you can follow, and I'll try to send it to you if you send me an email, I'll send you some direct stuff so you can study it on your own, modern monetary uh Series. A lady named Stephanie Kelton really breaks it down, so you understand what the Fed's been doing a long time. Then I mean, you can understand why really taxes are not what really funds this system, because we switch from gold. The other thing is, even in this bailout, to show you there are no two parties in this country. Part of what the problem was with them is literally Democrats and in, in the GOP. Sit down and created what they say is going to be 450 billion dollars to bail out industry. Something like 350 is going to take care of the 1,200 dollar checks to most Americans. But if you check that out, you'll find out a whole bunch of people that do not have direct deposits ain't going to get no checks <laughs> because to get the gift that you have to have filed at least in 2018 and 2019 for them to even put you in the system. So, so that tells you right there, that means a whole bunch of black people, just like with the GI Bill, Social Security and all the other stuff, they come up with the fine print that eliminates you, even though like Mr. Elliott was saying, uh, all of America is supposed to be making it. But they set the details. So the people who are majority black barbers, hairstylists, self-employed, black people, if you didn't file in the last two years, if you don't get direct deposit, ain't nothing you're going to do to get that $1,200. So so that's automatic out. Here's another thing. That $450 million that they told you that they'd given to businesses, actually what they did, according to uh, Dylan Rad- Radigan, Radigan that used to be on MSNBC, uh, Richard Wolf and a couple other economists, and I ran this by another economist friend of mine. That's basically a slush fund because what they're actually doing is saying, based on the loans and grants that they're going to give corporate people, Walmart, Boeing, several, GM, several other different places, based on the money they're going to give them, they're giving them loans and grants based on the $450 billion that the Fed is going to hold, but guess who decides gets the loan? Mnuchin, the, tre- the Secretary of the Treasury. That's the same white man that Kamala Harris failed to prosecute when he had one West Bank that took most of the loans on the West Coast from predominantly black people. And then the figures that finally come in. They used to say 450,000 black people lost their homes in the first five years of Obama. Actually it ended up being something in the neighborhood of one point one million blacks, but five point one million Americans in the whole system. Did I go to show you how white folks have fine print that always leaves you so that no matter how good it sounds for quote most Americans, the devil is always in the in the fine print. Now I'm gonna say this to you talking about the rents and all that stuff like even Elliot's business. I don't know how your business runs. I don't know if you own your property or you lease or whatever. But here's the point. Do you know what the European countries have done? They've suspended not only your mortgage payments, but the landlord also gets an abatement on him having to pay. So somebody like Joe that owns property, you don't have to worry about collecting your rent. Because even though you might get a portion of your rent, they will recalculate your whole loan with no penalty. In other words, it's just like having a grace period, whether this goes for four to six months or not. Why? Because they realize that in a capitalist system, cash flow, money flow is what keeps this system going. When you shut down everything, what's that mean? There's no money circulating. So the mm-hmm. only way to save anybody. Is to get everybody arrested. In other words, people shelter in, worry about paying, you know, their, their assistance, their food bills, you know, the necessity, to toilet paper, that kind of stuff. But you don't have to worry about whether or not your loans don't go get because whether this thing goes for sixty days, ninety days, or six months, your your payments start right back like they used to, as though everything was on par. Now, anybody in their right man can understand, in a society worried about all the people, that's exactly what you would do. You don't make it so the landlord will dump people. You don't make it so people get thrown out of their house. So that makes sense that if you're going to suffer as a society, everybody goes on pause. It's kind of like a truce in the middle of a war. But this country, because of Trump, when you talk about him, I'm going to slip this in. Google the term event 201. That was done in October and November of 2019 at Fort Detrick outside of Frederick, Maryland. Guess what it was? What they call a tabletop event for the coronavirus. uh, Bill Gates was tied up in that. Guess why they shut it down early? Because people in the Fort Detrick area, Frederick, Maryland, were experiencing experiencing flu-like symptoms that could not be linked to anything. Allergies or nothing else. October, get it. October, November. Supposed to be the best season for people with asthma and all that stuff. So my point to you is this government knew long before anything happened in China exactly what the hell was going on. And it's slowly coming out that Trump, because he was worried about the stock market, and then the Democrats who were supposedly worried about impeaching him, knew all along. Now, here's my point to you. I know you heard about this guy. Uh, Lochler and the other guy, what's his name? Burns, the, the congressman that got uh, short in the stock yeah. that's on the, on the intel committee. They were just the two that they put in the national news. It's slowly coming out now from the gray zone and a couple of other investigative reporters. Over 100 congressmen on both sides, GOP and Democrats, did funny trans or, or stock transfers, buys, and sales in the pharmaceutical and health business and did what? I mean, I'm sorry, in the, in the uh, health and, and other industries that they were in. Cast out on those and bought what? Pharmaceutical stocks because they already knew that Trump was trying to get that get the German patent to it remember the guy from MIT Germany got mad because Trump actually offered the people a billion dollars for what they were doing as a vaccine for this country you can't trust none of these politicians they all bought and sold and paid for and black people which this is the part that upsets me because I'm working with a group and we've been on them now for about a week and this is a perfect time I can throw in something else for you People talk about all you do is advocate online. Guess what? With this shelter in, you have found out. Being online, if you do it strategically, is not a bad way to advocate. And here's my point for you. We've been on the CDC, the CBC, because they talk about what they did for black people in this this, uh, stimulus bill. And I just finished telling you, all of the loopholes, that will mean you get excluded from even the basic twelve hundred dollars. The CBC was in on all of this. Number three man in the damn Congress is 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 what, How do you think they fight for five days on a bill and don't know that what ninety percent of black businesses are owned by women? Think okay. No employees. They're the only. The owner is the only employee. The majority of the businesses we're in are what beauty salons, services, hotel, motel, that kind of stuff, and you allow a $2 trillion bill to come off the table and you don't protect your own people, all of them people need to go. And and a lot of people now are waking up. I'm like, there's one thing I agree with Joe on. These people might make it past 2020, but I can almost guarantee you, with a crowd of young people, when I say young, I'm talking under 40 years old. They realize that those 50-plus people in the CBC ain't working for them. It's been three, three years of showing them that they are living. They are already on the phone calling these people not only at their offices, but at their local their local offices and at their homes and crowding their emails. So much that the CBC came out trying to make a statement about what they did to advocate for black people. That's how we call them in a lot. There's so many loopholes So even in the city of Dallas alone, something in the neighborhood of 25 to 30,000 self-employed black people that been in business, some of them for 10, 15, 20 years, were not qualified to get that $1,200, and then on top of that, won't even qualify for the SBA loan, because to get the SBA loan, guess what you got to have? You probably know this one easy, Brother Elliot you got to have some kind of collateral to be able to get the $30,000 loan. I'm going to
5: leave
12: it there. There's a whole lot going on in this country. I agree with him. This might wake up everybody in this country, but I'm like you. My primary concern is black people.
2: Roll mm-hmm. like <laughs> thanks for your contribution.
3: Yes, yes.
2: Richard. Yes, um, sir. You know, bef before, before we leave tonight, I want to um I, I'm just curious. I want to get your uh, opinion on this or uh, slant. Uh because you know, historically when things when you had pandemics happen in this uh country and things that had you know, uh, prior to uh um uh, here in Philadelphia when they had the uh um uh, it wasn't smallpox, who was that? Um uh, uh, yellow fever, yeah, yellow fever, and then uh, when they had the cholera, when uh, Martin Delaney uh, helped out Pittsburgh, uh, mm-hmm. you see the things our people did in reference to it. Now, black folks was affected because some of them died. They didn't die at the number of Europe- as a number of Europeans, but they were still affected by it. But why now, here in 2020? Now they project that the United States are going is going to surpass. Uh, uh, China and the deaths from this disease. In fact, they, 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 surmise it's going to surpass everybody. Right now, I think Italy surpassed, mm-hmm. uh, China. Now, China is a, a, what the second largest continent in the world mm-hmm. with not or 8 billion people, but a country which is small compared to China, Italy has surpassed in deaths. Why, why do you think that is? And not just Italy when they when they projecting the West, which is the United States, going that way. How, why?
3: Why? Why did um, Italy surpass um, China, and China was able to contain? Well, no, no. no. Why do you? Because
2: some of these uh, health experts mm. are projecting that the West, which is oh. you know Europe and all, would surpass mm. the number of deaths happening in other places. I am just wanted
3: your opinion because yeah, yeah, you know the the uh, um my 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 first thought reaction is too um because and I mentioned this before it seems that you know one thing is about the Europeans is that they are all over the world right okay. a certain segment i mean are able to go and because China the ones who are are doing the most work, um they're in they have been in China. If China was, you know, if, if China was the epicenter now, and, and I and I and I take what Brother Otis is saying, but um, if China was the epicenter of of the of the of the virus, and, I, and and I and that's a big if a mystery. Europeans, all all Europeans are all those countries, the business class, the engineering class, the science class, to a certain degree are the ones who were in China. Then they go back home. It ain't a lot of Africans in China. It's a lot of Chinese in Africa, but it's not a lot of Africans in China, not a lot of Caribbeans in China, if, if China was the big center. So to, to me, they, if, and if this is a people of people, they are carrying it to their home country, their host country. So yes, it would be um, bigger in their er- in those areas than in areas um, where black people are, brown people are. You know, even when you see the the expansion that's going on in Brazil, these these those business people are trying to make deals with China because China is the one is the big dog. So that's why I would say that's, that's one reason I would say why it would grow. Um, it would, it's growing in those countries. Yeah. Um,
2: no, go ahead. Finish your thoughts.
3: No, that's it. Well, let me, let me throw this out. I
2: might be wrong, but it's something that should be considered. I think, um, we see that, uh, just as the health minister was on, um, your Brother Nathaniel was on with us and talked about how we can strengthen our immune systems right. to fight this virus. Now, those is something we can do etern- internally. Right. Now, what are they saying to everybody now as a rule? Wash your hands. Right. Uh, Keep your hands out your face. Hygiene, right? Right. Now, let me read something because I think that we need to consider, and it's not to be all in and all, but it needs to be considered because you have to look at history. I, I love looking at history to look at the way things are now. If you have a people that, maybe up to 300 years ago, wasn't used to doing something, but are doing it now to a certain extent. All of that has to come into play. D- the earth and its people is not 300 years old. So when you're talking about something that somebody did up to 300 years ago, you're talking about something relatively new. Am I right? Right. Let me let me read this, just, 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 just for something to consider. Now, this is from the... Uh, History.org is a a site where you can just pull down different historical events. Uh, It says, when the Mayflower Pilgrims arrived in Plymouth in the early 17th century, uh, they didn't smell terrific according to native accounts. These Europeans didn't bathe regularly. A surviving member of the uh, Poxaton nation named Squanto even tried and failed to convince them to start washing themselves, according to his biography. Bathing, as you and I uh, know it, was very, very, very uncommon among Europeans until the latter part of the 18th century. Says Peter W. War, says, excuse me. Says W. Peter Ward, a professor emeritus of history at the University of British Columbia, and author of uh, the new book. Clean body, a modern history. This went for people of all social classes among Europeans. Uh, Louis the Eighth, a seventeenth-century king of France, is said to have only taken three baths in his entire life. Both rich and poor might wash their face and hands on a weekly basis, but almost no one in Europe washed their whole body with any regularity says ward separatist pilgrims and the puritans who followed them though they had submerged their whole body in water uh, excuse me separatist fil- pilgrims and puritans who followed them thought that submerging their whole body in water was unhealthy and that taking all their clothes off to do so uh, was immodest. Uh, immodest the idea of being clean wasn't closely associated with water in the 17th century, anywhere in the European world, says Ward. Although bathhouses did exist in the colonies, they were not the kind for bathing in the modern sense. Rather, bathhouses were thought to be a kind of medicinal cure or else a place where wealthy people to, uh, for wealthy people to relax. In the 1770s, the royal governor of the colony of Virginia used his bathhouse to cool down on a hot day the handful of baths that Louis VIII took those were on the advice of a doctor who treated him for convulsions cleanliness to the extent that people thought about in the 17th century had much to do with what we now call underwear than anything else Ward says European colonists kept themselves clean by changing the white linen underwear under their clothes The cleaner the white linens were, the cleaner the person was, or or so they thought. Even though the uh, linen underwear uh, really didn't keep their body clean because it was assumed that the underwear itself was an agent that cleansed the body. It absorbs the body's impurities and the dirt and the sweat and so on. These linens were supposed to be a little visible around the collar so that others could see how clean your linens were puritan ministers distinctly displayed their white linen markings uh not only to show they was a man of god but that they were a gentleman according to professor of history at university of pennsylvania puritans also thought that keeping their bed linens clean was a way of keeping their bodies clean going to bed without taking off outer clothes uh was considered unhygienic. In the latter of 1639, a colonist in Maine accuses his maid. Uh, well, let me skip down. <clears throat> the Native Americans that colonists accounted had different priorities in terms of hygiene. Most Native Americans bathed regularly in rivers or streams. They also thought it was gross for Europeans to carry around mucus in their handkerchiefs. Most native people's teeth were also much better shaped than Europeans. Native people cleaned their mouths using a variety of methods, including brushing their teeth with wooden sticks, chewing on fresh herbs like mint to freshen their breath, and rubbing charcoal on their teeth to whiten them. In contrast, Europeans who came over may not have brushed their teeth at all and had a diet that was generally worse for oral health. Colonists lacked the hygiene. Uh, The colonists' lack of hygiene was more than just a smelly inconvenience for Native Americans they encountered. They also posed a real danger. Unwashed colonists passed microbes, uh, which Native Americans had no prior exposure and therefore no immunity. Historians estimate that European diseases wiped out nearly 90% of Native people on coastal New England's before 1620 the year pilgrims arrived over the next few decades european diseases wiped out millions more so richard you see just from them not bathing regularly uh uh, caused a whole bunch of uh microbial deaths to occur and diseases to spread just from not bathing you hear now wash your hands wash your face don't put your hands in your face things of that nature but you see that this wasn't a regular thing among Europeans now this is early on when they first came let's come up a little bit look at this here Uh, George Washington and his fellow colonial Americans uh, how did they clean themselves the question arises and it's more complicated than you might imagine First, the answer is largely depends on what we mean by the word bathing. If we mean hit to, to immersing in water and scrubbing with soap to clean, then bathing was quite infrequent. In the 1800s, many people feared. Now, that, that, notice they're saying people because in some of the passages, they say Europeans. On other, it says people. So mm. they're talking about Europeans here. Since says, many Europeans feared immersing in uh, their body in water was a sure way to get sick. American settlers who came from Europe uh, where bathing occurred in public bathhouses for much of the early modern period. Before the 1800s, people did not understand that germs caused diseases. Instead, when they got sick, uh, Europeans sometimes blamed the bathhouses and bathing. For much of the 18th century, This suspicion towards bathing reflected medical theories about the danger to a healthy body of extremes of heat, cold, wetness, and dryness. Any extreme might disturb the delicate equilibrium of the body's uh, temperature and moisture. Compared to the shock of immersing in water, dirt upon the skin seemed benign. In fact, some Europeans believed that dirt help keep you healthy by reinforcing the skin. Second, an immersing bath was simply too hard work for Europeans. Unless you had servants or own slaves to do the hard work uh that carried water to the tub for your from your water source, perhaps a well or a spring or a nearby stream, multiple trips would be necessary. So they just uh did not bathe on a regular basis so you see that even bringing it up from the period of the puritans to the period of washington and jefferson that europeans did not bathe regularly right now let's come to present day this is from the the independent which is a british newspaper it's official the french do not wash Fewer than mm-hmm. five out of ten. I mean, I'm just I'm ju- reading this. <laughs> this, is, mm-hmm. this is a columnist that wrote it. It's official. The French do not wash. Fewer, fewer than five out of ten French people take a bath or shower every day. The French buy less than half as much toilet soap as Germans or British. This statistical manner uh, to frankenphobes everywhere is provided by a series of studies carried out by the French government and perfume and health industries. But figures show perhaps uh, perhaps taken with a pinch of salt. Personal experience on crowd, crowded metros and tube trains in recent years suggests that British uh, smell more often worse than the French. On the other hand, that discrepancy can be examined by another statistic. Although French do not wash very much, They are Europe's biggest consumers of perfumes and deodorants. Edward Mm. Sarafin, an eminent French psychologist, says that for the French, eating and drinking are natural functions. Washing is not. The statistics gathered by La suggest that French buy very little soap uh, during a year compared to German's and Britons, the British. However, these figures are for toilet soap. They fail to take into account the 30 uh, French habit of buying blocks of kitchen soap to place in a bathroom. Sales of the much evil-smelling soap are 10 times higher in France. Small wonder the French do not wash. So, this article came from a 2019 article Mm. that says, french don't wash on a regular basis so this thing is just historical among europeans to not bathe regularly and cause diseases mm-hmm. so you, you you know you'll find some people that that throw stuff out there and, and point but you know that's why i use like to try to use history if you read historical accounts and what historians say about european behavior then nobody can accuse you of trying to slow throw a slur or or, or disparage another uh, nationality or race. This just happens to be a historical fact. Europeans did not bathe regularly. They didn't believe in bathing regularly. According to this article in the Independent, they still don't bathe regularly. And they buy, it says here, that they buy more perfume. And let me read this again. Although the French do not wash very much they are your biggest consumers of perfumes and deodorants. So you just spraying that over a dirty. Bi- I mean, what kind of. Well, okay. It speaks for itself. Mm. So that's why I was just curious, Richard, of what you thought. Because if you notice now, um, beside them trying to look for a cure and this uh, uh, social separation, how do they term it? Social. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Social separation they keep talking about the hygiene part of it. Right. And that's why I figured it was, uh, you know, that's still coming into play in Europe because you see that, they uh, they said that Northern Italy has been hit harder than the Southern part of the state or the the country, than not the state, the country. And it's, I mean, all of Europe being affected, uh, 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 Spain, Britain, all of them. And then it's here. So, you know, that hygiene habit is something that's cultural. Right. So, you know, I, I just want to throw that out there. I,
3: I, I, I can see it. I can see
2: it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, um, I, I talked with uh, an and historian, Manuel Ampem is going to be on with us the week of the 15th of April. I talked to him, Richard, briefly today in reference to what's going on now and that there, are there any records to show um, that our ancestors kept in reference to any diseases or, or quote-unquote pandemics during that period that happened. Um, and he said it's no records to show that. He said it's, uh and he mentioned, and I'll get him to talk about it when he comes on here, it's, it's records, ancient records to show that famine took place in certain areas. Right. But there's no records to show that diseases such as this nature Took place among our people during those periods. Mm. Now, if you recall that uh, during that period of, uh, and this was what, around 1300, when that uh, Black Plague almost wiped out Europe. I mean, you know what that was. That was not only from rats, but that was from being unclean. Right. And the only reason that wasn't a pandemic then is because Europeans weren't traveling all over, they were basically landlocked in Europe.
3: Right.
2: Yeah, so I just just thought it was kind of ironic that he mentioned that. It'll be an interesting conversation when he comes
3: on. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to that. And to next week, too.
2: Uh, Yeah, Cynthia McKinney is uh, scheduled to join us next week. It'll be an interesting conversation. I heard her talking about, uh, because she said she was in China. Uh, She took a delegation over there because uh, some uh, Muslims had, uh, said that they were being uh, some religious persecution was going on and they asked her to lead a delegation there to China as a fact finding mission and she said it just so happens that when they left two weeks after they left they had that that shutdown mm. and uh, you know she was kind of talking about things in reference to um, n- uh, not only the situation but uh, things politically it was, it'll was it be an interesting conversation with her
3: yes definitely
2: Before we leave, I just want to uh, go over the lineup again with uh, On Time for an Awakening on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. African Perspectives with Brother Oshie. Always interesting conversation and dialogue on African Perspectives with Brother Oshie from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, On Mondays from 6 to 8, Acres of Diamonds with Brother Jihad Ahmed from 6 to 8 on Time for an Awakening Media. Uh, from nine to ten conversation reparations uh in cobra's program and um the first and third Monday of every month on Tuesday African Perspectives with Brother Oshi. I mean with oh, excuse me. Um oh boy um <laughs> I don't have my paper in front of me. Uh Doctor William Rogers uh, program is uh Tuesday evenings from eight to ten on Time for an Awakening, and then on Friday, Time for an Awakening is back from 8 to 10, on Time for an Awakening, and in between that, from Mondays through Fridays, from 10 a.m. to 12, Warren Valentine's uh, rebroadcast is from uh, 10 a.m. to 12, uh, from 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively Discussion. As always, and we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace.
3: Peace.
1: If you drive in through children play. Too bad.